Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. A quarterback decision is looming. Or is it? The Canes Nation was stunned Monday night when news filtered out of Coral Gables that quarterback Jay Keeps was held out of the second scrimmage of the fall. The scrimmage that was said to be the defining moment in selecting a starting quarterback for the 2014 season. So what does that mean, Canes fans? Well, we've learned that Jay Keeps has a sore arm from two-a-day practices and that Coach Al Golden wanted him fresh for Wednesday's practice when the team will start serious preparations for Louisville. So is his absence from Monday's, does, does his absence from Monday's scrimmage mean that true freshman Brad Kaya has won the job? Or maybe it doesn't. And what about Kaya? Can a true freshman really be ready to start a night game on the road against a quality opponent with the entire nation watching on ESPN? We will talk about all of that and more tonight on Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we are here ready to embark on the two hours in Hurricane Sports. As always, it's your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. We have 50 open phone lines, so there's plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. The call-in number is 646-595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. As is our typical custom, we ask subscribers at canesport.com in the last few days to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear addressed on tonight's show. Here's what they came up with. What former Miami quarterbacks can Brad Kaya be compared to? Well, I'll go out on the limb right now, and I'll say that he looks to me like a cross of like a Craig Erickson, maybe Gino Toretta. And I'm going to really put some fear in you right now because I'll even throw Kyle Wright into the equation from a, into the uh, equation from a physical standpoint. Brad Kaya, Kyle Wright look almost identical. If they were standing right next to each other, you almost wouldn't be able to tell them apart. I guess it's that California uh, wine or something. I don't know. Anyway, is there any sense of who the players favor as their starting quarterback? Can Stacy Coley become a dominant force this season? Who will the first running back off the bench be when Duke Johnson takes a rest? Will it be Joe Yearby or will it be Gus Edwards? Louisville will be playing their first game with a new coach and a new quarterback. Will they be ready for Miami given the time to prepare? Or would they be that much better or worse later in the season? In other words, is this a good time to be playing the Cardinals? Will Trayon Gray be able to make an impact this season? Or will he redshirt at running back? What about Jamal Carter? who's locked in a three-way battle of safety after it was just suspected that he would be a sure starter this year. Is he a playmaker, or is he still a work in progress? Will depth on the defensive line really make that much difference on defense for game one? Who are the one offensive and defensive player that I think could emerge by midseason? I'll tell you right now, a guy that nobody, two guys that people may not be thinking about, I'll say Danny Isadora on the offensive line on offense, 
and Artie Burns, a cornerback on defense who's looked really good to me in fall drills. Does the drama created by passionate Miami fans impact the coaches and players in this world of social media? Should there be a concern about a safety position that doesn't seem to be as deep as it first appeared on paper with Rayshon Jenkins going out with a season-ending injury? How are things going in the kicking game with Justin Vogel looking like he's going to be the punter and Matt Gudis? Is this season opener against Bobby Petrino and Louisville an opportunity for defensive coordinator Mark D'Onofrio to begin turning the, the tides, so to speak, in his reign as the Canes' defensive boss? And there's also some leftover over items from last week's action-packed show that we didn't get to. In all of Gal, Al Golden's interviews, he seems to have a different attitude this year than in the past three years. What's up with that? Is there really a difference in them? Would a 7-5 and five or even 8-4 and four record be acceptable to the coaching staff? Would it be fair to call for people's heads? Defense doesn't improve significantly this year. Would it be fair to call for Al Golden's head if he refuses to make changes to the defense if there is not improvement on defense? Does a 2-2 two and two start put Al Golden on the hot seat? I'll come out right now and flat out say absolutely not. I don't see anything that could transpire in this football season that would put Al Golden on a hot seat. Now, it's true, though, that Miami has been in the we will be good again in a couple years mode for about a decade now. At what point do the coaches run out of rope? Or will the administration at Miami stay happy as long as Al Golden is between the 7 and 9 victory range? What areas has Miami improved in or has Louisville gotten worse in since the last meeting between the teams in December that should give Miami fans some hope for Labor Day night? We'll talk about all those things and more in an action-packed two hours. Once again, the phone numbers to call in, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Get in on the show early tonight. You know the phone lines are going to be jam-packed all evening. Um, The board's lighting up right now, and we're going to start out tonight with area code 205, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? How you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Um, this is Big Slaughter Five. Hey, what's up, Big Slaughter? You were the first one on the board tonight, so I had to I had to bring you on first. <laughs> I was kind of listening, but I got some um, I got some uh, questions. Um, I see. I've been watching your um, uh, um, Kane Sport. I seen Joe, Joseph Uber. He's pretty cut. He, you know, he's getting um a little better. Like he's more comfortable back there now. What have you seen so far? I think he's getting healthier every day. You know, the more he practices, the better shape he gets into. And uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, with every practice this fall, Joe Yearby has gotten better and better. And a lot of people have tried to turn this into a Joe Yearby versus Gus Edwards battle to be number two, so to speak. And I really wouldn't do that. I mean, I think both guys are going to play quite a bit. Exactly. Gus, Gus Edwards is the power back. He, he's also had a, a, a very good fall. The, the one thing holding back Gus Edwards right now is, is pass receiving. He's got to get to the point where they can feel comfortable throwing him the football and know that he's going to catch it, whether it be you know routes out of the backfield, whether it be screens. Um, but other than that, uh, that kid has really been running hard and well this fall and without question is going to get a lot of playing time, particularly early on in short yardage situations. And then Joe Yearby, you can bet the ranch that he's going to have a nice package also on offense. He's looked that good. Um, at times, it's almost like Duke Jr. out there. You know, he's not quite as explosive as Duke is fast, right now. Yeah. Well, he's fast, 
he's probably as, as fast, but he, he's just not as explosive yet because of the injury, and it's taken him a little longer to come back. But but in the last like three four practices, he's had several big plays, and uh, Joe Yearby is going to factor in too. So you know, don't turn it into a competition. It's really not. Yeah, I, I, um, I. I agree with that. I think all three. You know, we should use all three. It, you know, it makes it actually take a um, less pressure off Duke. You know, keep him a little more healthy. When you got you got an extra guy that you know we can get just as many big plays. Um, I think Golden and they shouldn't red shirt. You know, you know, shouldn't red shirt year, but which I doubt he was going to do anyway. But I think we, you know, I think it should, like you said, it shouldn't be a you know a two man battle for backup. I just think both of them should get some significant playing time anyway. So well, I, I think you're going to see better. four. Yeah. I think you'll see four backs get playing time. I think Trayon Gray will get some playing time this year, too. But, you know, the, the thing you mentioned about Duke, um, what's going to be really interesting is their use of Duke, par- particularly early in the season. Uh, you know, this, this is probably his last year, let's be honest. I mean, he's going to probably go to the NFL after this year. And, and this is money year for Duke. And, you know, you're looking up the road and you're seeing a kid like Jameis Winston become the darling of America uh, by being the man for Florida State. And I think there's a little bit of pressure on the Miami program to show that it has its own man, and that's Duke yeah. Johnson. And, and, you know, he's going to get a lot of touches. But I think that the thing that they're going to have to balance is that agenda, which unquestionably, for the multiple reasons I just mentioned, has to exist, and not overusing him, particularly early in the season. There's two guys on this team you don't want to see get nicked up. One is Duke Johnson, and the other one is Denzel Perryman. Injuries to either one of those two kids – would be really tough in in the scope of the whole season. Yeah, yeah. I just hope, man. I just really pray that they throw him a lot of balls at the backfield because his freshman year he was catching a lot of passes, man. And he was making things happen because I remember that first game against Boston College, man. He was he ripped them up in the swing passes, and you know just got to get him in the open field, and that and that also keep him from getting so mixed up between one and the tackles, you know. Well, I think you'll see that. I think you will definitely see that this year. I, you know, I think they, they got away from it a little bit last year. They, they, when they went back and analyzed, they realized that they did not throw to Duke Johnson or any of the backs enough. Um, I, I think part of that was Stephen Morris, you know, at times. He, it, he didn't like he, take down for some reason. I don't, I don't understand. He, he not, not like check outlet. Yeah, nope. He had tight ends wide open sometimes. He would not even, you know, check the hot route. I'm like, you know, he always going for the gusto. And he used to frustrate me, man. I'm, oh, my God. Uh, well, I think no matter who the quarterback is this year, whether it's Heaps, Kaya, or Ryan Williams coming back down the road here, I think you're going to see a lot more passes, uh, not just to the running backs, but also the tight ends. How, uh, one more question. How um, I've been um, I've been saying some good things about that six six kid, um, the guy that came in late, reported late. I can't remember his name. Um, the big tall receiver. Oh, Daryl Langham. Yeah, how how is he doing? I heard he's been doing pretty um, good from what I've been reading. Okay, he he's he's behind. I, I'd be shocked if you saw him this year. You know, they, they really they're not going. I don't think they're going to need to play him this year. He he's just so he's so behind. But you can see he's got size, and when he gets to the point where he's in shape and he's catching the ball reliably and, and all those things, he's going to contribute to this program quite a bit because of his size. But you know, if they needed a big receiver, this, another big receiver this year, I think they would have kept uh, David Njoku at wide receiver instead of moving him to linebacker. They're they're pretty good at the receiver position, um, and, and I think the freshmen that you're going to see get the most time are going to be Tyree Brady and Braxton Berrios, who's just having a phenomenal fall camp. 
So is that is so is that switch to defense? Is that permanent for David? Is that permanent? Uh, or don't, is this they don't know yet. About? Yeah, they don't know yet. Uh, they're, they're trying it out. They're seeing how he looks there. He's a big kid. I mean, he looks like a linebacker, and you know, oh. so it, it's worth a look. They're a little light at linebacker right now. There's not a real good pipeline there going forward. So you know, I think they're looking to develop somebody in that spot, and he was the best candidate on the roster in terms of the young kids. So they're giving him a good look there. Okay, well, that's all I got. Just keep me on hold. All right, you got it. Thanks for calling in um, and hope that you'll um, give us a call again next week. All right, 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 770 where you're now live on Sport Live. Are you with us? All right, sorry, you're going to have to call back. All right, let's try the um, – let's go out now to the 305, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Is that me, Gary? That's you. Oh, okay. I was actually on hold. I was uh, listening. I didn't, I didn't press one to speak. I really oh. don't, <laughs> I don't really have anything to say. Maybe since I'm already on, I, I, uh, I, I could go with something. Um, any impressions about our defense? I mean, I, that's my biggest concern is uh, are we going to get a pass rush going on? Is, uh, you know, is, is, you know, are, are the schemes going to be a little bit different? Do you hear anything about that, or is it going to be just the same old defense? Well, if, if I'm going to be honest with you, know, I think you know I always am. The, the yeah. only area of the defense that I see that is markedly better is the defensive backfield. I, I think the safety position is hugely upgraded. Um, I don't even think there's a comparison to last year. Um, I think cornerback is comparable. Uh, you know, Tracy Howard looks a little bit quicker to me, uh, so maybe a little bit better. Um, there is more depth at corner. I think Artie Burns has taken a huge step forward. Um, Corn Elder's continuing to improve. So I, I think the defensive backfield is, is in pretty decent shape. Um, to me, the linebacker position is, is, is a big liability right now. You know, I, I think you're hoping that Darian Owens can get a lot done, but he's still, you know, he's a true freshman. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to be lost at times. Um, you know, Thurston Armbrister, I think we've seen what, we're, what, what you're going to get out of Thurston Armbrister. Um, the one thing he does have is experience. Um, but, you know, I think he's, he's going to be serviceable at times. I think there's going to be other times that, that he's going to get beat. Same thing with Raphael Kirby. Uh, there's, there's a feeling that he's better just because he has more knowledge of the defense this year. But my personal opinion is at the end of the day, um, I think you're asking a lot if you're expecting him to be a whole different player um, this year than he was last year. And, and there's just not a lot of depth beyond that. So um, keep your fingers crossed that Denzel Perriman stays healthy the whole year. If he gets hurt, uh, you might as well shut down the defense, in my opinion. The defensive line much deeper than it was in the past. I mean, you, you do have uh, 15 serviceable, serviceable bodies there, but I still don't see anybody jumping out at, as like an impact kind of guy that's going to change anybody's game plan. Um, we'll find out if I'm right or wrong on that on September the 1st. They're obviously going to get a lot of opportunities the way Louisville plays offense. Um, so if you ask me about the defense, I'm expecting it to be Maybe a little bit better than than it was a year ago, but you know, fairly comparable. Yeah, and I wonder what uh, what that's going. It's just to an be. opinion now. So don't you know? Don't go jump yeah. off a bridge. 
You know, I'm just giving no. you my honest opinion. You know, I could, I could end up being wrong, but if it's not, and they, they could yeah, be top 20 in the country, but, you know, I just don't, you know, know that I see that. So let's let's assume it's, it's pretty similar to how it was last year. Do you think that the pressure is there from the administration for Golden to, to, to change that and bring someone else in, or do you think that it's just, you know, acceptable at this point? I don't. I think a football season would have to really fall apart for there to be any pressure from the administration on, uh, at Miami on Al Golden. I, you know, I think that uh, Blake James, the athletic director, has a philosophy that he hires the head coach, and the head coach does what he wants to do with his staff. Um, I don't see Donna Shalala meddling in the football program. Um, so I think things would have to get pretty darn bad for anything to happen in that regard. Um, I do think that this whole season – um, is sort of, I don't want to call it a lab experiment, but, but, but I think Al Golden over the course of this season is going to have to kind of detach himself emotionally a little bit because he is one of the most loyal guys in the world and, and really put his staff under a microscope because, you know, like I said earlier in camp, this is moving time for him. And, and you know, you're talking about your whole career here is at stake. I mean, you know, Randy Shannon failed at Miami and – you know, you see what, what's happened to him. It hasn't come close to sniffing another head coaching opportunity. Larry Coker would be in the same boat if he didn't get the chance to start that program from scratch at Texas San Antonio. Um, so, you know, you don't get it done at, at, at Miami, and it's a career stain because people know how much talent is down here in this area. And this is a massive, massive time for Al Golden in the, in the scope of his profession and and. He has so much going for him. I mean, this is a guy that has every reason to emerge over the next few years as one of the better head coaches in the country. But you can't do it anymore in college football without a top-level staff. And I think this year, as much as anything, Al Golden has to find out if he has a top-level staff in place. And he has to be able to objectively make those evaluations. And if he has to make a move or two at the end of the year, he's got to have the, the fortitude to do it. And I'm not saying that means defensive coordinator. I'm not projecting what that might mean. Um, but I think that that's a big part of the year of the season this year for Al Golden in terms of his overall career. Makes sense, man. All right, cool. All right. Um, you wanted to be uh, left on hold, right? Yeah, sure. That's great. Thanks, All right, Gary. We got you. Yep. Call in again. Thank you. Um, all right. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com here, and we are now going out to the 225, where you are now live on Canesport Live. How you doing? Hello? Yeah, you with us? Oh, you, I, I can tell what you said. Hey, man, this is Jason in Baton Rouge, man. Hey, what's up, Jason? How you doing tonight? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. I got a question for you, Gary. Uh, I just want your perception, per se. What do you... Um, like when 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 coach when coach Golden when when he says um um and I just drew a blank uh, <laughs> I'm actually driving and I see a train passing by um, <laughs> I'm sorry it, it just kind of no no I, I don't want that um but but my question is is more about the mind games and, and what your perception of, of of it is when 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 coach is saying that well. Uh, we don't have any starters yet um, across the offensive line. And, and my my outlook of, of it is is right now we should have 
set in stone right now who, who the starters should be. I mean, so they can start gelling together and, and and still playing these mind games saying, well, we, you know, John Feliciano, he's not a starter right now. I mean, the guy been starting three years. I mean, it's it's time to quit playing playing these mind games, I guess. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about, but he, here's the situation. They came at the training camp in a, in a kind of desperate situation, honestly, on the offensive line. You know, they need to develop. You, you you really can't get through a season without 10 guys that you can count on up there. And, you know, they really didn't have that. So the onus is, has been on them and Coach Coach Kehoe to, to develop, you know, they, they kind of were set on Taylor Gadbois in the rotation uh, without question, but they had to get the, that 7, 8, 9, and 10 spots um, in, in good shape. And, and I think that they've been pushing – those kids like Hunter Wells and, and trying to inspire them. I think that's why you saw him elevated to, to first team last week, um, not because he's really going to start there over Feliciano, but to keep him going and keep him pushing and make him believe that he is competing for something because that's going to make the football team better. Um, so are they mind games? Yeah, I think they are. But at the same time, it, it's also been one of the most important parts of training camp is that they build some depth on the offensive line. Um, I'm not sure they have ten, but I think they've gotten themselves to at least eight, which is a good thing. But, but let me say this, Gary. Do you think that that's really going to work? You know, saying, okay, well, right now you're the starter. You got a black shirt. I mean, you got guys like Tracy Howard. You know, when they, he don't when he don't get his black shirt, he's like, oh man, you know, in his interviews, oh man, I don't care about no black shirt because he knows he's going to start. So I don't think that this this whole philosophy of you get a black shirt today, you get a black shirt next week. You know, you just need to go ahead and settle in on your 11 starters on offense and on defense and roll with that and build up on that. Hey, I mean, sorry, everybody can't start. You, you know that. So this, this mind game and this perception of, well, you're going to start this week. As of right now, you're the starter. No, come on, man. We, we know Stanis Dobart is not going to start at tight end, even though I personally believe that he's probably better – than Clive Walker because his hands are very suspect, and when he drops the ball, it's, it's, it's a well. So th- these mind games, I, I'm just I'm, I'm so sick and tired of those mind games. And then my last thing, Jamal Carter. What do you think about Jamal Carter? Because from what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, I mean, moving forward, this guy needs to be on the field. And I know, I, and I'm not – this is not a bash or this is not a down play of, of Dallas Crawford because I know he's a golden guy and I like what he does and he takes it for the team. But is he a better overall player on the defensive side of the ball than Jamal Carter? And if not, you need to play the best guy. What's your take on that? Well, right now he is. <laughs> I mean, it's going to – well, this will kind of tell you where the defense is, to be honest with you. But um, Dallas Crawford, who was playing running back last year – to, to me, is the second-best player on defense right now. And, and that's the problem that Jamal Carter's having, is he's got to compete with Deion Bush and Dallas Crawford, and only two of the three is, is going to be able to start. So, But all three are <laughs> going to play a lot. I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Jamal Carter's making good progress. Um, he doesn't have experience under the lights, so to speak, and you're going to have to see how he responds on opening night. But the way Dallas Crawford is playing – I, I'll, be, I'll be real surprised if he's not one of the two guys out there on the first snap uh, a week from Monday night. I believe he's going to be the first guy. He's going to be in the first rotation because and he, I mean, he he's makes an plays, outgo- and he, Yeah, he's, he's an outgoing guy. I get it. 
he is a playmaker in terms of he has he he probably has the best ball skills in the secondary. But we all know he's not that fast though. And 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 in his defense, he does make tackles. He is a sure tackler. He is that. I gotta yeah. give him and, that. And he hits people, and he's got a nose for the football. And it, where he makes a big impact is in goal line situations, you know, coming up and supporting the run. He does a great job. I mean, the guy, the guy is fearless. He's fundamentally sound. And um, I think he's the second best player on defense right now. Yeah, I totally agree. Which is kind of scary I, well, considering he, he was on offense all last year. <laughs> so so this, this whole perception of, oh, well, you know, we, we got to build some depth. Okay, I would just flat out lay it down. Look, man. We got my. I have my eleven guys on defense. If that's going to be Dion Bush, and I know Dion started, you know, several games or whatever. But if he's not in my top eleven, let's go ahead and get some continuity on defense and offense, and say this. This is my top eleven right here, right now. This is these are the guys, so they can build some continuity and some confidence. Go ahead and get those guys ready and say we. You you're going to go out there on the field. I mean, you you. you I know sometimes you sit and you say, well. I want to get every. I want to get you know five guys in the secondary. Yeah, but you need to get you a solid four right now. Get a solid four and roll with that. And then you're going to get your wish. After that. You're <laughs> going to get your wish tomorrow, so. tomorrow morning. Because at some point, I think you're going to go on canesport.com and you're going to see a story there with a the new depth chart. And I think that's going to be the depth chart for the Louisville game. I, I you know, they're starting game planning tomorrow, and, and I think that, that they're making those decisions tonight. And I think. You know, by tomorrow, you're going to have a, a depth chart that's going to be pretty darn close to what you're going to see on September the 1st. Okay, one last thing, Gary, and I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and go and keep me on hold. Um, okay. The last, thing, the last thing is about Najoku. Um, I, I understand that they're short on a linebacker, but moving Najoku to linebacker is, is kind of crazy in the sense that why would you move this guy that's huge like that and supposed to have some speed? Why don't you use him like Kelvin Benjamin? I mean, well, Kev- you're sorry, recruiting other guys that you're recruiting other guys that are the same. You know, um, you, you've got other big receivers that have come into the program. You know, Daryl Langham for one, and you've got such a disparity in the talent on offense and defense right now that at some point you've got to start moving a few guys. You really do. And um, he was as good a candidate as anybody. And when you look at this kid, he looks like a linebacker. He looks like he can I know, but look, looks, looks and playing it is two different things, Gary. You know that. Yep, but, well, but they're gonna find, they'll find that out soon, pretty soon here. I mean, they're not going to waste him there if, if, if he can't play. Yeah. And the kid that was going to probably redshirt this year anyway. So there's no harm early in his freshman year in giving him a look at, on defense. Um, it's no different than a, line, than a lineman that you look at on offense and defense and, and try to figure out what's the better position for him. So I wouldn't uh, – I, I, I mean, he's only going to stay there if he's good enough to play there. Um, but they need linebackers. There is not a pipeline no, uh, linebacker right now in this program. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that, that it's because he – if he doesn't redshirt and you you waste a year of experimenting with him in linebacker, I mean that's come on you you recruit oh, no, a linebacker. He's, red- linebacker. He, he's oh, gonna redshirt. Great. Yeah. Great. I, okay. It, it would take it would take a lot of injuries for him not to redshirt this year. Yeah, I'm gonna close I'm gonna close my chapter so you can just keep me on hold, man. Thanks. All right. You, hey, you got it. Thanks for being part of the show. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. 
the Canes Nation out in force this evening on Canes Sport Live. And we're going to go now to the 786, where you are now live. How are you doing tonight? Hello? Yep, you're on the air. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. This is um, Mitch, man, first-time caller. Hey, welcome to the show, Mitch. Um, I got a question, man. I've been around a program for a while now, you know, and I kind of got like a a first take of recruiting, you know, from Miami. You know, I know a couple guys, I don't want to see no names. But it seems like Miami's not recruiting the guys how I should say as a Florida State is recruiting a guy, meaning full court press. These new, the new era of kids nowadays love attention, okay? And I'm going to give one example. Devontae Clarence, the tight end from um, down here, I seen him yeah. in the flea market one day. And I say, Clarence, how's my recruiting? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's home team. I got love for him. But they not recruiting me like how I want to be recruited. So I just want to hear your opinion on that, since you were around a program. And, you want me to comment on Clarington, or you want me to comment on recruiting in general? On recruiting in general. Hey, I, I think the kids they really, really want, I think they, they, they recruit extremely hard. I, you know, I think that there's times where they don't know if they want a kid, and, and Clarington, to me, might certainly qualify there. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know for sure, but um, you know, I know that he's a kid that we're a little – uh, that we have some questions about at Kane Sport, um, and we wonder whether you know he's really a take for them. Uh, you know, we see some some things that that, that you know we'd be a little concerned about it in our evaluations of of recruiting. Um, so you don't really those are the things you don't really know. But um, where Florida State's doing a better job right now, I think, is nationally. I, I think that um, you know they're because of their success, they're a bigger player for the kids outside of their home area, and you know Miami's not you know, quite at that point right now um, in competing with some of those national kids. And a lot of them you do see um, considering Florida State. Uh, but, you know, within the context of that, you know, I, I think that they're working really hard at recruiting. I think they have a better recruiting staff now than they've had uh, it, since Al Golden got here. And I think it's showing in some of the early commitments they're getting. Now, they're going to have to show success on the field to keep them. I mean, let's be honest, but, you know, if they don't have success on the field, some of those kids that are early committing for 2016. Right, and, right, right. And that's that's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, are going to be swayed. You know, you, you, you know kids want to go into to a successful program, and if you're not successful, it's easy target practice. Okay, I got one last question. I'm going to let you go. With this Tyree Cole kid, okay, he's up in Brown, right, Belmar, as it's Cali Lines, yep. you see. Okay. Was it? What's the, what is it with him in Florida State? It seemed like he done went lukewarm on Florida State now. Now it seems like he's leaning towards Miami now. Well, I think Florida State's going a little lukewarm on him. Um, you know, because of the things that I just mentioned, Florida State has a bigger pool of recruits. And yeah, with that McFadden kid. Yeah, they've got they've got several of them, and you know, Tyreek's been getting himself into a little bit of a a little bit of trouble here and there over the last six months to a year. Nothing that he, he can't turn around, but he's got to do it. And for some reason, you know, he seems to have gone off a little bit on a wayward path. And, it, you know, you, you get a little little upset when you see kids like him that are so talented and have so much ability uh, kind of start straying a little bit. But, uh, you know, he still has a 
full year of high school to pull himself back together. Miami is continuing to recruit him. And if we were to project right now where he'll go, I know I would say I think he's going to go to Miami. Well, that's fair enough, man. You know, I just scratch my head because, you know, I'm, I'm so used to Miami recruiting kids with no problem getting who they want. It's like now they're not winning. I know it's become a little different, difficult, but I don't know. I just hope we have a decent enough season, man, to lock up these kids. I'm tired of going to Florida State and Alabama and Florida. You know what I mean? It's just crazy, man, being yeah, a game. Right so. now Alabama and Florida and, and Florida State are recruiting at a, at a whole different level, especially Alabama. Okay, no problem. Yeah, Alabama is just taking um, just about whoever they want right now, and uh, the rest of the country is trying to catch up. It's uh, pretty impressive what Nick Saban has been able to do up there in Tuscaloosa. All right, 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 917. You are now live on Team Sport Live. You with us? Yeah, that's you. Hello, hello. Yep, that's you. How you doing today? Hello? You're on the hey, air. Hey, what's up, Gary? BK Hurricane. Hello? Hey, what's up, BK? Hey, I think what your problem is is I think yeah. you got, you're playing your computer and your phone at the same time. No, my computer's a... not on. Oh, okay. I, I thought I was hearing a little bit of an echo. Hey. But anyway, you're on. What's going on? Hey, Gary, what's up? BK Hurricane, man. How you been? Doing good. What you got for us tonight? Ah, uh, two things. Um, How do you feel about... Uh, you know, like the recruiting aspect of us not being able to get a strong defensive tackle on board. Because I, I think, think we're lacking part. in that part of Yeah, you, I mean, you definitely are lacking. And it's the hardest position to recruit in college football because there's not so many guys that are impact players at that position. And you've got the SEC schools right now, you know, the Alabamas and Auburns of the world that are scooping those guys up and – uh it's hard to get them, and so, you know, you're kind of reaching and you're grabbing guys out of Juco, like Calvin Hurtaloo, like Michael Weish, and, you know, they're, they're showing up out of shape. You're having to, like, you know, Calvin Hurtaloo in spring practice was totally ineffective, and they had to spend the last five months getting kid in condition, and he's done a good job of that. He's a whole different player this fall, but now they're sitting here, and Michael Weish comes in in the middle of summer, and he's totally out of shape. And now you're trying to get a, another guy that you're counting on heavily into condition. And it, it's hard to make progress like that, you know. You know, I still see, you know, guys like, you know, Earl Moore out there getting reps. And, um, you know, to me, and no knock on Earl Moore, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But um, you're, to me, they're not going to make progress until you're looking at different personnel. And I'm still seeing a lot of the same guys that got schooled last year in the rotation mix, and that's why I'm of the opinion that I just don't see how much better the defense can really be. I mean, I, I told you, defensive back significantly improved over a year ago, but the defensive line and linebacker spots, to me, are not, and um, I think if, if Denzel Perriman were to get hurt, um, like I said earlier, you can just sh- shut down the season. Yeah, um, you made a good point, because that's what's worrying me the most, because we don't have defensive – well, really, we don't have a defensive line to protect our linebackers so much. You know, like, uh, once the running backs or whoever gets past our defensive line, we got guys just flying all over the field trying to, <laughs> trying to take down a running back that's already on the second, you know, tier of the defense, you know? 
what you do have on the defensive line is a lot of bodies. Okay, you have a lot of depth in terms of numbers. They're always going to be able to make sure that, that the, the players that are on the field are fresh um, for whatever that counts for. And, um, you know, they're, gonna, they're just going to have to ride with what they have. I, I don't see an impact defensive tackle on the roster right now. Yeah, that, that, that's what bothers me the most about, about the whole they're team. Hard, they're hard to, to especially when you're not winning. Yeah, I see they're hard to find. And that's what bothers me the most. Um, um, you know, the quarterback situation, for some reason, is not really bothering me that much. Because when I look at all the weapons we have on offense, you know, you – I mean, I know Stephen Morris couldn't do it for whatever reason. Huh? I, what you, I, I agree with what you're saying. The quarterback position is on the upswing right now. If it, if it were a stock market – definitely is. It would be picking higher. Um, you can't say the same thing on, for defensive line other than the fact that there's more numbers there. Yeah, that stock is going down, Gary. Sell, sell. I don't think it's going down. <laughs> I, I think it's staying flat. It's not going down. Okay, it's definitely not going down. Are you sure? But I, but no, it's not. It, without question, not going down. But I, I, it is staying flat. Oh, okay. Well, Gary, you had one good um, – um, I, uh, I don't remember the caller, but I think he um, – you know, you had, you know, you had, uh, you know, you made a lot of really good points about, you know, Al Golden and what if we don't have a good year this year, and I found that point to be like real interesting because at what point does Al Golden realize, okay, he's either got to cut and run because by him not succeeding here is going to ruin, you know, is going to really hamper his ability to get another job because, because you know, I'm totally on board with you when I feel that he was going to get that Penn State job and something. At the very at the thirteenth hour happened, and somebody said, yeah. "Let's go." Yeah, with the this athletic, guy the athletic director. Yeah, the athletic director killed the deal on that Saturday night. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I was with you the whole time. I'm like, this guy's out of here. He's gone. This is this is uh, where oh, he's he, from. You know, he's from the Northeast. He's out of here. <laughs> you know, no, but I don't you know, think, at what point do you? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't. I don't think it's a situation where he's desperately trying to get out. You know, when I look at Al now, he's a guy that is totally invested in this program. He's working his butt off to try to make things better. And I don't see any signs that he's out the door at the end of the year to the first guy that that rings up his phone. I think the Penn State situation was a little bit different. It was was a special situation in his life. And, um, you know, I do think that there might be some people looking at him, like I've said, and there might be some opportunities after this year. But I don't think he's, you know, running out the first door by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. You know, like Penn State was home to him. So, you know, he, you know, he was taking the opportunity to go back home like most people would, you know. Yep. But you, um, do you think a subpar season, like, like eight wins and, a, and no bowl win, that could seriously affect his ability? I don't think too many people are going to come calling, you know. Maybe not, you know, but you never, but you never know. I, don't I mean, think like, too many you know, people are going if, to if, if you know, just being objective, if I'm the athletic director at say Rutgers, where Greg Schiano left a few years ago, the program is on a quick downward spiral. Uh, they need somebody to come in and breathe some life back into that place and get it going again. Um, who better in America for that job than Al Golden? Than Al I mean, Golden, Mr. Right. New Jersey. You know, I mean. So, you know, there could be opportunities, but but like I said, I don't see any signs that 
he's getting ready to run for the first door. No, I don't think so either. I think he's going to stick with the program, but at some point he's going to have to make some hard, some tough decisions, some real he tough might. decisions with I his coaching this staff year, because well, this he hasn't had – exactly, because he hasn't have to – he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't had to make one tough decision with his coaching staff yet. I mean, we've got new luck, coaches on the, board. That's because guys the left. Luck, the decisions he had to make, they made the decisions themselves. So he's been fortunate. Yeah, never. they – yeah, you know, they decided to leave and take on other, you know, and go to others. This year may be different if we don't, if we don't, if if we don't at least finish with nine or better wins and a bowl win, it, it, he's got some tough decisions to make on, you know, on this team in terms of his coaching staff. And well, you know, unfortunately, it's going to come from the defensive side. Part part of being a head coach is is you have to coach your staff and evaluate your staff and. Um, they're all great guys. He's shown his loyalty to them by keeping that staff intact for this year. And I think this is a big year, not just for Al Goldman, but for the coaches on the staff to prove that they belong at Miami. It's going to be a very intriguing yeah. I'm I'm really excited for this year in terms of covering the, the, the team because I think it's going to have a lot of intrigue. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting season. Uh, right, all right. You think okay. we'll get that one signature? Here. Do I think we'll get that 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 you'll get one significant? Do you think win? we'll get that one signature that one signature win this year? That one win where it's like, okay, we just beat a really good team because we wanted it more. Well, I think you got three oppor- you got you got the opportunity at Louisville opening night. I think you got the opportunity at Nebraska, and I think you have the opportunity at home against Florida State. Those are three for sure. Um, and then you got to see what kind of team Virginia Tech is. You got that Thursday night national TV game against Virginia Tech. Right. So, um, you know, there's those three, four opportunities to really show something with the nation watching, and uh, they're going to be big games. Yeah, and they'll do a lot for the program, hopefully a lot for recruiting, if we could pull off a big win this year. Yep, need a couple of them. All right, BK. All right, Gary, listen, you had a great show this week. The first two weeks I was a little upset at some of our callers for not calling in, but we, but you got a great show going this week. I'm going to just stay on the line. All righty. Good. All right. Oh, we'll leave you on hold. All right. Thanks for calling in. We'll talk to you again yeah. uh, next week. All right. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Let's go out to the 954 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hello? Yep. You're on the air. How are you? Oh, what's up, Gary? Who's this? No, this is Nick. Hey, what's up, Nick? What you got tonight? Um, I literally just walked in my house. I didn't even think I was getting on here. But um, um, a lot of people on here. I already hit my questions, but um, like I like the, one of the other guys was saying, they're talking about D tackle situation. I know the coaches are working hard trying to get D tackles, but I feel like a lot of other college coaches out there just for running a three-four. I feel like our D tackle is just trying to take up a guard or a center. And most other college coaches are, like, literally making them feel like they're not doing anything. Like, I feel like with the Trevante Valentine situation. Like, do you kind of agree with me that, with that situation? No. No? Yeah, I, I'm a, no, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because pe- people are too hung up on this 4-3-3-4 thing. They play both. Yeah. You know, there's, there's times okay. they line up in a 3-4, and, and there's times when, when they line up in 4-3. And, and they game plan based on who they're playing and the type of offenses they run. They're trying to be a multiple defense. They're recruiting hybrid-type players. 
that can be mm-hmm. stand-up guys or, or, or hand-on-the-ground guys. And um, they're trying to give the defense a lot of flexibility. And, and I think there's way too much focus on this 4-3, three, 3-4 three, thing. You know, if they want yeah. to play 4 they're, they're trying to recruit bigger guys um, up front um, to, to play those spots. Um, you know, Kamalu mm-hmm. is one that comes to mind. He, I like Kamalu. Yeah, he's a 295-pounder who was a, he was a defensive end. Now they've got him mm-hmm. you know, playing one of those tackle positions when they go 3-4. Um, Olsen Pierre, obviously another one. And then you've got the, the big boys in the middle, like, you know, Michael Weiss, who are yeah. functioning, and, you know, Earl Moore that are functioning more as, as, as nose tackles. And um, they're just they're trying to have a lot of flexibility. And then, you know, when they go, obviously, with four, they they, they got Chicolo that they bring into the mix. Um, a mm-hmm. lot of flexibility. A lot of flexibility. Trent Harris, um, a true freshman, is getting a, a lot of burn um, in that hybrid. Um, yeah, Trent, Trent Harris is nice. Russian. Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. You know, me and Matt and the, you know, and, and some of the other guys, we've been out there at practice watching him a lot, and the, yeah. the coaches obviously love him and. He's been getting a lot of reps in, in that um, in, in the passing situation packages and stuff, and we're looking for him to make plays, and he's not really making plays. And um, you know, you kind of wonder what's going to happen there here in the next week or two because you know you still have Muhammad that's in the picture, you still have McCord who's in the picture, and there's a lot of bodies that are fighting for not too many spots and. Um, Mark D'Onofrio has got some tough decisions to make, but the, but the biggest thing is don't focus on four, three, three, four, cause they're going to play everything and they've recruited and they've tried to position themselves to have the athletes to run whatever they feel they need to run to stop the team that they're playing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, personally, I really like the three, four and I know exactly what Mark D'Onofrio is trying to do. Um, and I think a lot of people aren't really, really trying to realize what he exactly is doing. I don't know, maybe because I, I look into it. I mean, they're trying to recruit big corners. I feel as if they're running like a – they want to run like a true – like a 3-4, like mostly, and they want to do a lot of zone blitzes, and I feel like you need bigger corners for a zone. I mean, you look at Artie Burns, but they're recruiting Marcus Lewis. Um, you got Devontae Davis out in uh, Booker T. Um, I just feel like they're trying to recruit big corners. Um, Another thing, I wanted to know what the deal with the situation with Alquan Muhammad. Um, I'm on the board, and I see that he's got, um, I mean, maybe a suspension coming up. That's just speculation. I just want to know from you because you're around the program every day, and I want to know what kind of opinion or answer you have. Well, we asked Al Golden about him the other day, and, and yeah, there, there was certainly no talk about any suspensions. I mean, he, he was you know said to be good to go, and – um, that's something that's come up in the last 48 hours or so. Uh, we'll have a chance probably to check on that tomorrow. But, you know, we have not heard anything in that, in that regard that Muhammad is suspended for game one. I mean, he's been getting plenty of reps in practice. Uh, you know, there's no signs um, that he won't be out there. But, okay, but we're cool. going we're we're to check on it again tomorrow. Okay, cool. And, I, yeah, because I feel like, I mean, I don't feel as if, but Alquan Muhammad is a big part of our defense. And like you were saying before, once Denzel's out, our defense, you can pretty much just throw it away. Like Denzel, you know, I looked at the scrimmage the other day, just laid a big hit on um, Edwards, and he keeps getting laid out. He keeps laying out Edwards. I don't know if Edwards can't really, like, see Denzel or not. But then um, but I just want to know, how is Joseph Yerby looking person? I see him on the highlight. The kid looks amazing. Um, if you think he's going to be our number two, 
Or do you think um, he's going to be yeah, our number three about, behind Edwards? We talked about that at, at the beginning of the show. I wouldn't get too hung up. Oh, you did? I, I, yeah, but it's okay. I wouldn't get too hung up on number two at running back because uh, you're okay. going to have uh, Yearby and Gus Edwards each playing their own roles. Both are going to play quite a bit. Um, there'll be times when they even put Duke out at wide out, um, and spread him wide, and, and have uh, Gus Edwards or Yearby in the ball game. Um, so I, I wouldn't get too hung up. Everyone's going to play. It, it, there doesn't have to be a clear-cut number two. I, I think both Yearby and Edwards have both had very good camps. All right, Gary. Yo, I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling in. Give yeah. us a call again next next week. Nope. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 754 where you are live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? What's happening, Gary? How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. How are you feeling? Oh, man, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed, man. I, I, hey, I'm Gary. blessed, too. I, we, hey, we got football season in 12 days. We're all I blessed. hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Hey, hey Gary, you know something? You, you, when, when you were talking about the 3-4, Gary, and, uh, you know, a question I want to ask you is that, okay, with the 3-4 and the linebacker not being so strong uh, or a position, and, you know, you got to put four guys out there for a linebacker, you know, uh, you know Gary, it's kind of working against – about what you what we have, you know, what's your take? I know you say don't get hung up on three four four three, you know, but well, it, it make you it make you it, wonder really not about that. Because it's really not because one of the four is always a defensive end. Um, you know, okay. think about it: Trent Harris, Tyreek McCord, Alquadine Muhammad. Those are defensive ends. Yeah, you can call them linebackers if you want for semantics or whatever. And, and you know, I mean, McCord's listed as a linebacker. Um, Trent Harris and, and, and Muhammad are listed as defensive linemen. You know, whatever. Call them whatever you want. Um, but the mm-hmm. bottom line is they're not linebackers. They're really defensive ends, even though they're the fourth guy, so to speak. And they will drop it into the flat and, and cover receivers at times when they're not rushing. Uh, that's part of the mm-hmm. defensive scheme. But that's why I say don't. I don't understand why people get so hung up on this 4-3-3-4 thing. They are running um, a multiple – hybrid-type defense with a lot of versatility and options that is meant to create problems for the offense in, pre- in game preparation in terms of not really knowing what they're going to do, uh, giving them a lot to prepare for, a lot of different options. And um, I, don't, I just don't see four three three four as that big an issue. Hey, Gary, what, 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 with the two with our quarterback situation, uh, Gary, I, me personally as a fan, I'm leaning toward Heath because the experience. I remember I saw him as a true freshman against Florida State when he was playing for BYU in Tallahassee. And, and to be honest with you, Gary, he didn't. He, you could tell his his skill for the the skill position for BYU wasn't, you know, that strong. They didn't really give Florida State much trouble that day. But you know, yet I I, I thought he he was he was a little. He showed me something, you know, some heart and everything. And, and I was kind of surprised he left BYU to go uh, to Kansas, and then I can understand clearly leaving Kansas, uh, basically because of uh, talent, and he had to jump at this opportunity with the talent pool that's here on the offense, and and uh, believing he could make the best of this opportunity. Uh, I, I I I'm leaning toward him, and I think uh, Gary, if, if he got that brace on his leg, that's what my concern there. Uh, how's he coming along with this this injury, uh, Gary? No, no, the brace on the leg, all the quarterbacks have been wearing that for precautionary reasons. But okay. um, as bad as you think BYU was, Kansas was worse. 
he had nothing mm-hmm. there. He didn't have an offensive line. He didn't have skilled players around him that could really do much. And the reason he lost his job um, was because be- because of that void of talent there. Uh, they needed mm-hmm. to get a quarterback under center that can move, and 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 so he lost his job in spring practice for that reason. Um, but listen, he he's not going to be a first round draft pick. He's not a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Okay. To me, coming into camp, this thing wasn't even a decision. Um, you know, I thought for sure that Jay Keeps was going to be the starter for this team at Louisville, um, and then it would become more of an issue when Ryan Williams was healthy again, and they could right. make a determination based on what Heaps has been doing. But Brad Kaya has just been so ridiculous in, in, in fall camp in, in a number of ways. Just the way he's handled himself, the work that he put in, in learning the offense. And without question, when you watch practice, the offense is with Heaps and Kaya in command this fall has been miles more efficient and ahead of what the offense looked like in spring practice with uh, Ryan Williams and Kevin Olson. And, and that's a tribute okay. to both of these guys, and um, especially Kaya, a true freshman under that type of pressure, has really done a great job. And, and it's gotten to the point now where on face value, it, this is a neck-and-neck competition. And, wow. But I still believe at the end of the day, and I will be, you know, it could go either way, but I will be very surprised if Jake Heaps doesn't take the first snap at Louisville. To me, it just doesn't make sense to take a true freshman, as much promise yeah. as Kai has, and put him in mm-hmm. an unfair situation, which is what that would be. And I don't know if you read our, our story today with Howard Schnellenberger, who, who um, <clears throat> he, uh, he reflected back a little bit on, on his experiences in picking quarterbacks. And what mm-hmm. he basically told us was that it was a similar situation to what he faced, even though they were red shirts, with like a Jim Kelly when he was coming up. And he didn't put Jim Kelly out there at the beginning of the year because he didn't feel that the team was ready to win to the point where it could carry Jim Kelly, that freshman quarterback. And he waited till the middle of the season to make that move. And that's why I think that this will be um, a situation that could change at least you know, maybe even more than once during the course of the season. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Ryan Williams got his job back. I wouldn't be shocked if Kaya ended up the quarterback. Um, snap at Louisville. I will be very surprised if it's not Jay Keeps. And we'll find out. Wow. We might find out as soon as tomorrow. Again, it's just my opinion. Um, but, you know, I'll be surprised if it's not Heaps. You know but something? It is, I, dude. It's close. I mean, they've been charting everything, and it's very close. Yeah. You know something, they, they talk about the defensive tackle position. You know something, Gary, I was pretty disappointed with the fact that Michael White couldn't get in through the admission because he needed to get in in spring and, 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 and work on the conditioning and stuff just like, you know, Calvin Hurdleloo. And, you know, maybe you'd be talking about a different Michael White right about now as you are talking about Calvin Hurdleloo because uh, that position just needs to be short up, uh, uh, up that middle because I think perimeter – will improve. I think we're going to get to the quarterback uh, pretty uh, good. I think our secondary will hold coverage uh, maybe long enough than than, than uh, past secondary. And uh, somehow I think it, it, it's going to be with not so much hide our linebackers, but I'm just saying that, you know, our linebackers will, 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 will do well enough, you know, in, in this uh, defense uh, in order to improve. I'm just looking forward to this season, uh, Gary, hopefully. We can uh, come up there and surprise Louisville because uh, 
I feel like Louisville going through some transition with with a new coach with well a coach that's been there before Petrino, but losing Teddy Bridgewater and several defensive players. I, I you know I, I I like our chances. We're having Duke back. Uh, I think we're going to stretch the field quite a bit with uh with, with Philip Dorsett and uh, back uh, and and uh, Stacy Coley, and I think we're going to be able to do some a lot of stuff underneath. I'm looking for some stuff to be wide open, getting Duke in space and so forth and so on. Like you mentioned about putting them out on the uh uh out on the on the wide and, and that you know, it it could it could it could be a very interesting year. I just wanna see it all unfold there and I'm looking forward to it. I totally agree with everything you just said. It's gonna be it's all right, gonna be Jerry. a very I, Very I, yeah, exciting. Listen, yeah. man, I'm, I'm going to be checking you out a lot, man. I remember when you was over in Cooper City, my brother and I, we used to come over there and pick up the publication. So uh, we, we, I'm, I'm going to definitely keep in touch with your show. I got you locked into my phone. All right, man. Um, we're always on the website, and uh, we're here every Tuesday night. So uh, feel free to uh, – hopefully you'll call us again next week. Will do, Gary. All right. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Two zero four eight. We're talking Canes football with the Canes Nation on a Tuesday night, and let's go out to the three hundred five, where you're now live on Canes Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. How are you, Schmira? Fifty five. Hey, what's up, Schmira? You got in early tonight. Yeah, I get to break the Jaquan Johnson commit, huh? I broke it before you. <laughs> oh, did he commit? Yeah. You know like what? Five I was wondering. Five minutes. Oh, you're. I was going to start right. off. You were right. I'm so busy sitting here talking. Things are are blowing up here. (laughs) You were correct. I was going to start off negative, but I figured I'd start off positive. No, that's a Uh hell of a job. Shoot, I've got to make sure somebody's on that. Go ahead. I'm going to make sure we're on that while you're uh, talking. Go ahead. I'm always here for you, Gary. You know that. Um, Let's see. Um, What else is going to do? I wanted to mention some players and to see what you thought about them. I'll start with... The bad. What's what's going on with Bo Sandlin? I was expecting Not big much. things. Not much, huh? Not much. Not I mean, much. you know, he's, right. he's out. He's out there, but you know, Standish Dobard is doing such a good job that um, you know he really can't he can't get past them, and, and I don't think he's right. going to. All right. You know. So now let me ask. You, yeah. Let me. Let's bring up the All right. So I, that means let's let's. Get him out of his senior year and let's move on, basically. That's what that means. Uh, Jermaine Grace. I mean, I know you made a mention the other day he's a good third-down linebacker. I think when he was recruited, I wouldn't exactly say him being a third-down linebacker was probably what I, uh, my, I envisioned of him. I had uh, big expectations for him. Do you see him moving up the depth chart at all? Well, I think that he might have to next season. Uh, you know, I, I think that they're, they're good, you know, because there's just aren't, there's just a shortage of linebackers on the roster right now that they're going to have to try to make him an every down linebacker uh, as a junior. But to me, he's too small to fill that role. I just, you know, I just don't, don't know that I see it um, unless he puts on an enormous amount of size and can develop into more of like a Denzel Perriman type body, which I don't know that I, that, that he has that in him. Um, to me, he right. looks like a safe. He looks like a safety playing linebacker, and that's great for third down. I think he's in the perfect role for his skill set right now. Um, but it, you know, I, I do think that it could become problematic against the run if he has to try to be an every down linebacker. Okay, okay. Um, let's go to the good now. Braxton Berrios. I know I brought him up a few weeks ago. I don't. 
don't know if you were too high on him, but you seem like you're getting a little bit more. Well, I don't know. Oh, I love Braxton Berrios. Oh my, you like oh my him. God. I think I love. I mean, I like him a lot. I mean, if you could you look at the podcast from a few weeks ago, I brought him up, and I really am high on this kid. What do you? What are? What's his upside for this year besides special teams? Well, I mean, I, I think you're on a roll, to be honest with you, <laughs> because um, you know Braxton Berrios is, is the kind of kid. You remember that? Um, and God, is the, the correct pronunciation of his last name, uh, I'm drawing a blank on right now, but that, that uh, receiver at uh, Wake Forest, uh, Caniglione. Yeah, Campanera. 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 Um, that was catching like yeah. 10. Yeah, he was, yeah he, he destroyed everybody. He's catching seven, eight, nine, ten 10 right. balls a game. Um, right. If you, you put Braxton Berrios in one of those types of programs, he would be the exact same guy. Um, they're going to play him this year, and he's going to make contributions. And he... Okay. Is, is, is just so solid. He catches the football. He gets low to the ground. He's very hard to tackle. Um, he's very shifty. Um, just a pure baller, this kid. He's, and he, you know, he's, he's little. I mean, people, people want to um, you know, compare him to Wes Welker um, because of his size. I don't think he's as big as Wes Welker. I mean, he's, he's a little guy, but he's just a dynamic football player with great football instincts and intangibles and um, I think you're going to see Braxton Berrios get a lot of footballs this year. All right. Now, now I'll bring go into my somewhat negativity. I mean, there is absolutely no way that Miami could be a 10-win team, a BCS team, or whatever it may be when you're when you have the you know when that depth at linebacker is so bad and the D line is that bad, and you're dealing with a quarterback situation. I personally think there's no way that you start Brad Kaya in Louisville, and I think we've already discussed that. But, I mean, if it's by default, which it's maybe seeing, because I, I can't picture a guy like that. Oh, it's that not by in, default. But, no, Jake Keats has done plenty well enough. It's not by default. If, if they start Kaya, it's going to be because they feel Kaya's the better guy, and, and you know, Al Golden's willing to roll the dice on it. Um, it won't be by default. I mean, you wouldn't be – Petrified to see Brad Kaya go out first and ten in oh, in Louisville. Of course, eight oh. I mean, of, of course I mean, you would. I mean, a, a true freshman is not, is just not ready for that. I don't think it's fair to the kid, to be honest with you, to even even have him in consideration. I mean, I wouldn't do it but, if I had a, if I had another option. You I mean, know, you're right. I mean, you definitely make the argument it's not fair to the kid. He's but, he's just he's not ready to handle that yet. No way. But I was just getting back to my point that how could this team be? How could this team get over that hump when you're still starting the defense that they're putting out there? I mean, I'm just I just pulled up the depth chart just to bring up some things in front of you. They can't. I mean, to expect more, Victor. I mean, I would say that they're probably equal to what they were last year, probably the same quarterback. And last year they had an easier schedule, so this year they could actually maybe improve a little bit, but their record could probably maybe even decrease from last year just because of the schedule strength. I mean, that, that's how I look at it. Well, it, it, the, but the, the truth is the in-conference in schedule is not more right. difficult. I mean, you could make the argument that it, it might even be a little weaker than last year. You know, I don't know that Virginia Tech's as good as they were a year ago. Um, North Carolina's probably yeah. comparable. Florida, Florida State is obviously comparable. Um, right. The Nebraska. big key, the – but the Duke game is, is to me is going to be the whole season. You know, huh. you, you can't, you you not, you just can't lose that game again. And if you win, the, if you win that game, your chances of winning the Coastal are pretty good. 
But, I mean, you want to say go to Virginia Tech on a Thursday night. I don't care how bad the team is. That's always going to be a hard game. And to go to yeah. Nebraska, who knows? Who knows what you're going to get from there? Yeah, but the Nebraska right, game the, the Nebraska game's a fun game. It's almost meaningless in the scope of the whole season. The, game, the opener against Louisville is massive to me. Obviously, the Virginia right. Tech game is massive. Um, and that Duke game is massive because they're, they're a good enough team to create problems in the Coastal and end up with a decent record. So, um, right. you know, to me, those are the games that, that are much more important than, say, Nebraska. Um, all right, my last question, not question, but uh, is there anything uh, tailgate-wise or anything going on for the Louisville game, or is it kind of just show up to the game and you got anything good going on in, in, the, uh, in the area? We, we do not. We, you know, we don't. No. But um, my guess is some things will develop between now and uh, Labor Day. All right. Well, it was good talking to you. I like the commit they just got. I think that's huge. I think that will lead to a lot of uh, other chips to fall in place. And uh, it's all right. Good show. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. Locking that up tonight um, is That's massive. Huge. Proud Golden. Um, yeah, he. A lot of people think he's the best pure athlete in Dade County this year. Um, and you know, Jaquan Johnson, just just a massive commit. Uh, and we'll have the story up. Alpha dog. He's an alpha dog for sure. I mean, I think he, yeah, everyone really, follows him for sure. And, and um, all we'll, right, have, we'll have the story up shortly on canesport.com. And you know, thank you for bringing that to the show. All right, Robert. We'll uh, talk. Next, next week. Sounds good. Speak to you soon. All right. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. All kinds of things happening in Kane's land tonight. Uh, big recruiting commit. And uh, that's one that was giving them a little bit of a struggle for a while there. And uh, getting Jaquan Johnson in the fold, a uh, very talented cornerback out of Miami Killian, just massive for Al Golden and his coaching staff. Let's go out now to the 863, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? All right. How's it going? Going good. Who's this? Uh, this is Earl. <clears throat> what, what's up, Earl? What, yeah, I go by Earl. What can we do for you tonight? I uh, just got a couple things. Um, first, first thing is I actually disagree with you guys on the Brad Carter. Um, I think it's, he's who we need to go with. Um, anytime where you have, um, I don't care if he's a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, the point is, well, let me, let me, let me retract from that. Um, it does matter that he's a freshman. Um, if a freshman is toe-to-toe with a redshirt senior who's only going to be here one year, you know, has one year of eligibility, and that freshman is toe-to-toe with that individual, I say you throw him in the fire. I say you throw him in there, let him get in that experience, um, he's obviously not making stupid decisions in practice or anything like that nature, so we, we would know about that. So that's why I disagree with Brad Collier is not, you know, let's not throw him into the fire or this or that or whatever. I think we need to go ahead and just do it. Um, now, if, if, if he is heading above, uh, or, you know, heading in and above or over um, Collier, that's different, but that's not the case. That is not the case. That's not what we've seen. I think Collier is the answer, and I think he's a legit, he's a legit talent. And we need to go. We need to roll with that. Um, I, that's that's my opinion on that. Let me, I don't. I he don't want to hear he definitely is that. legit talent. You are you are 100 percent correct there. He is he is totally legit. That doesn't mean he's mentally ready to be the starting quarterback at eight o'clock on Labor Day night. But he but talent he is legit. Yeah, but what determines if somebody's mentally ready to start on Labor Night? If I mean on, on, on opening night, it's been decision. done before. 
the ability to, to get to the line of scrimmage and make the calls quickly, um, to, to have total command of the offense, to be able to change plays when you need to, to be able to recognize defenses um, that you've never yep. seen before when you get up there. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough. And if you've never done it before, it's even tougher. And um, Yeah, but, that's, you know, but that is exactly why, you know, the, the, the saying, you know, the phrase, the catchphrase is practice makes perfect. If he's able to do it in practice, I'm confident he can do it in a game. Yeah, that's, I don't know if he's had enough. I just don't know that in eight, you know, in eight days of game preparation that they're going to start tomorrow for Louisville. I, I just I don't know if, if that's enough. For, you know, I, just I mean, don't know, you know. I mean, we'll see what Coach Golden decides. Um, but I just think it's asking a lot to throw a true freshman out there in game one. I, you know, we'll see. I, I would agree. Let me, I, I'll take this. I will say this. I would agree if we did not have the talent that we have on offense. I would agree. But with the talent that we have on offense, I, I have no doubt that he, he, will, he, will, he will flourish. I have no doubt. Yeah, well, if they do it, it's going to be for that reason. Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be because of the talent they have on offense. So um, the, the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, I keep hearing, it's a lot of negativity amongst, amongst the Kane fans. I mean, some of the stuff that I'm hearing is, is, is Alabama – for many years, or for several years, was at a, in the same situation that we're in. Florida State, for many years, was is in the same situation that we're in. No team, Florida, no team is ever on top for forever. And somehow, I think as Kane's fans, we're a little bit spoiled or something. You know, it's like, you know, the world is coming to an end. We haven't done this. We haven't done that. But the facts are, our Golden, since he's been here, has had, you know, a, a top, what, 10 to 15 recruiting class every year, uh, or maybe a top, you know. So, and then, um, and, and it's the same thing with all these other programs. Florida State didn't just win a national championship last year because, you know, in, in just one year. They've been they've been recruiting and doing this for several years. And then last year they got lucky, I would say lucky, uh, with, a, with a retro freshman quarterback who was just phenomenal. You know, so uh, and sometimes it takes that. Sometimes it does take that um, uh, to get a little bit, you know, to get lucky a little bit. And who knows what can happen this year? This year hasn't even started, and we are we are already being pessimistic about it. You know, it hasn't even started. You know, you know, I, I think you know, I think people are frustrated. I, that's all it is. It's just, it's frustration. You know, it, it's there's no clear cut sign that it's going to be better this year. You know, it, it, it's not like you know you have a ton. Uh, I mean, you, you've got a few, uh, a little bit, few more uh, bullets in, in the holster, I would say. I mean, you know, when you're looking at who are the impact players on this team, you've got Duke Johnson, Stacey Coley, and Denzel Perriman. Uh, without question, that's three. Um, but you don't have six, seven, eight, nine, which is, you know, kind of like what it takes to be uh, a top-level team in college football. I, um, I don't necessarily agree with that. Let's Florida name ten impact players on Florida State's team. Name them. Well, I, name ten really big impact players on Florida State's team. On this year's team? This year, even I mean, yeah, this on this year's team. So it's like, well, you've I, got I think starters. I think we have enough impact players at each position on offense, except for maybe quarterback. We don't. We're, we're uncertain that quarterback right now. But as far as the skill positions, we have an impact player or two at each one. 
in the secondary, we already know our secondary is much improved or whatnot. They got their experience now or for the, or whatnot. Um, and, okay, well, and, and, let, I, let me stop you ahead, for me, a minute because I want, to, I want to answer your question. I'm looking at the yeah, Florida State step chart right now. Jameis Winston, without question, impact player, won the Heisman uh-huh. Trophy. Um, Carlos Williams, who's going to be their tailback this year, was one of the top. Yes, and I got a comment about him in a little bit, but go ahead. He, he, he's a big-time player. Um, uh-huh. Rashad Dean at receiver, uh, without question, is an impact player. Nick O'Leary yeah. at tight end is an impact player. Um, you go over to the defensive side of the ball, and um, Terrence Smith, I, I think, would, would, would fall into that classification with, without question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm going to confess I'm not totally uh, – uh, totally up on all their personnel, but I think Mario Edwards is a pretty darn good defensive end. Um, you know, I think you have, you'd have to at least consider him. Eddie Goldman at nose tackle is a really, really, really good interior defensive lineman. Um, so, you know, they, they've got a lot of guys. Um, they've got a lot of potential. Because some of those names you mentioned were big impacts last year, I don't think. Goldman, I don't think we heard much about. Um, now, I will, I will say... Um, uh, who was the other defensive end you mentioned? I can't recall the name you just said. Mario Edwards. Edwards, yeah, I, I, he, yeah, I agree with him being a, a, a impact player. But my point is, you know, we recruited some talent too. We just got to, we just got to allow that talent. Now, at some point, and I said, I think I was in last week. I called in last week. I think at some point, it's not um, recruiting is not the issue. Like I said, we've we've been in the top ten, fifteen for the, since our Golden's been here. Even going well, back I think, to and I think that's why you see the team so good on offense. I mean, I mean, how yeah. many teams in America do you think have a Duke Johnson and Stacey Coley on the same roster? And that's before you exactly. even get the field door set and Herb Waters. And, you know, offensively, this team, you know, you could make the argument if the quarterback situation was a little bit more solid, this would be a national championship offense without question. And our defense, I think, would be okay. And when you think about it, and, and that's why I was going to say, it, it, at some point it's going to come down to coaching. Chickalow was a top recruit. Akhadim Muhammad was a top recruit. McCord was a top recruit. You know, um, um, it, it, um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other names. Um, uh, our corner, I can't think of, man. Um, Howard. Uh, Howard was a top recruit. So it's not as if we're not recruiting top recruits and, and getting top recruits. At some point, we're going to have to realize it's the coaches. you got to get them playing. I agree. No, you're right. you got to get them playing like top recruits. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't think that – now, I will agree that our defensive tackle – nobody would argue that our defensive tackle is is really weak. Nobody would argue with that. But – and you got – and the the trenches is where where it counts. If if you have a weak um, offensive line or defensive line, it's not going to happen. So I will agree with that. So, but um, now back to um, Carlos Williams. Carlos Williams, because a, a, a couple calls ago, somebody was complaining, or not really complaining, but um, making an argument that um, switching, um, who was that again? The, the, the receiver. Uh, the the, the, the uh, Joku. Yeah, and Joku to, um, to, to, to linebacker. Carlos Williams was a top recruited safety out of high school. Am I correct? Correct. And now is he not a top running back in the nation? Yeah, he he's just a freak athlete. Yes, yes, exactly. he is. He so he's going to be say, a very good running back. Yeah, to say that you can't, you know, oh, why switch somebody from this to that? You know, I'm not saying I'm not putting Njoku in the same category. I'm not doing that. 
But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Like you said, let's let let's let's let the coaches, you know, put him out there to see how he does. If he's not fit for linebacker, we'll put him back at receiver or maybe even tight end. You know, well, in I terms think we of recruiting him as an athlete. In terms of quality, this roster is tilted way too much right now on the offensive, on offensive. side of the football. I mean, if, I if there were like if it were like a balanced scale and you had the offense on one side and the defense on the other, the the offense would be so heavy that the defense would go flying up to the moon. Okay, so you know, at some point they got to get the roster to be a little bit more balanced. And uh, you know, I thought it was a great move to take a look at that kid at linebacker and see what he has. You I, know, see if, exactly. see if that's a good position for him. If not, they'll put him back at receiver. But you've got some really good receivers coming into this program over the next few years, and yep. um. You don't have a lot of great linebackers, you know. You, you, you know, where are the great linebackers, you know, coming from? I mean, um, Charles Perry, who's in the 2015 class. I'm not sure I would call him a great linebacker. Uh, you've got a couple other linebacker commits, uh, Claude George and, and Jamie Gordner, who are, you know, just right now a couple guys. They're three-star prospects. So you don't have some surefire great linebackers either in the program or coming into the program right now. And I think that's why you're seeing them take a look at this kid at linebacker. Yeah, and, and, but go, we can all – we can go back. That. No, he, he, can he'll go chart back out. Great I'm sorry, no, go, I ahead, gonna, go ahead. I was just going to tell you, Al Golden will chart out what the team's going to look like a year from now, two years from now. Um, in the recruiting room when they're trying to figure out who they're who to go after and stuff, and and they will project the roster out over a season or two. And you know, there's an obvious void at linebacker, and and, and I think that's why they made that move. That's true. And, and I was what I was trying to say is we can go back and look at some of the best players to ever come out of the University of Miami. They were not four or five star recruits. You know, they, were, they, they developed into, into great players. It, it's, it, coaching has um, plays a role in that. I mean, some of our best players, you know, that come out of the University of Miami were not four or five-star recruits. That's a fact. I mean, you can yep. correct me if I'm wrong. You're the, you're the recruiting guru. You know, you can no, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're right. It's, it's, it's not always all about the stars. I mean, the stars are a good guideline. You know, I, I think our recruiting staff does a pretty darn good job of identifying kids. Um, but there's going to be three-star kids that'll become four-star pl- level players or five-star level players. You know, you're, you're talking about kids that you're evaluating when they're juniors and seniors in high school that grow exactly. in, in incredibly a- as they move forward. So, um, you know, it's not an exact science. Hey, if the NFL yep. can't get right after four years of college, you can just imagine <laughs> what it's like trying to project high school kids. All right, hey, thanks uh, so much for being part of the show tonight. Give us a call again uh, next week. All right, thank you very much. Have a good one. You got it. Taking a look at Twitter right now, I'm seeing hashtag revolution, hashtag Miami made, hashtag staying home, hashtag us against the world. The Canes coaching staff in celebratory mood tonight with the commitment of Jaquan Johnson, the cornerback from Miami Killian, who's um, made it kind of tough for that staff here over the last uh, six months or so. Um, There was a point where it looked like he might be headed up to Florida State. But tonight, he committed to the Miami Hurricanes, and uh, like we said, a lot of celebration going on. 646-595-2048. Let's go out to the 205, where you are now live on King Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This KDQ dog. Hey, can I just call you dog? Because that first part's too long for me. 
Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Uh, no, so I'll just say, hey, what's up, dog? And let's go, let, let's go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Um, <laughs> just wanted to harp on uh, the uh, guy from uh, Baton Rouge earlier when he was talking about the heavy rotation. What's up with the heavy rotation? Uh, receivers and the defensive linemen that, that these coaches use. I've never seen a a elite Miami team with such a heavy rotation. I think it's Al Golden's philosophy. He likes to have a lot of guys involved, and, and, he, and he wants the – every coach has their own way of doing things. And, and, and Al likes to have a lot of kids involved in the game plan. And he thinks it keeps their attention. It helps them develop as players. Um, it teaches them more football, makes his, makes his team smarter. So he believes in a lot of rotation and a lot of bodies involved in the mix. And um, I understand what you're saying. I, I think at times it could be a little problematic. I think particularly on defense, um, their development as a defensive football team, to me, has been slowed a little bit because they are sometimes playing so many kids. I think it's very hard. Yeah, exactly. I think it's hard for the position coaches to get that many kids ready to play a ball game. That's just my opinion. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know? that's, 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 that's kind of my point and uh, yeah. yeah, from Baton Rouge's point. Like, I mean, how, how can you uh, judge, how can you really judge Tyreek McCord uh, in when when he plays maybe uh, 10, 15, 20 snaps top the game. Yep. I mean, how You're do right. you judge him? You're right. And, and you know, it's been an opinion of mine for the last three years, and it's it's just an opinion, and your opinion and my opinion might be the same. It doesn't mean we're right and, and the coaches aren't right. But I just personally, from my experience, doing this for 30-plus years, unfortunately, because it means I'm getting old. Um, I just think it's very hard to get that many kids ready to play a ball game. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree, so we'll see how it shakes out, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah, you will, because uh, there's going to be a lot of rotation now. <laughs> You're going to see how it yeah. shakes out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got 15 bodies. Uh, that's that's not necessarily good. Yeah, and most of them are going to play. Uh, there's not yeah, too many of them that aren't going to play. Yeah, so, I guess it helps them recruiting uh, because they get immediate playing time. But it but it helps us. I mean, it hurts us in the long run with the red shirt. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, when I we'll when see. I go down the list of defensive linemen, I mean guys who won't play this year. I mean, I would say maybe Demetrius Jackson might get a red shirt. Um, I don't think Corey King will play a ton just because of his, you know, his ability levels beneath so many guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping like heck that they, that I think they need to redshirt Anthony Moten. Um, but, yeah. You know, yeah. But I don't know if he'll redshirt or not. Um, Mike Smith, I think will definitely redshirt. So that's for, but I think you're going to see 10, 11 guys that are defensive linemen playing ball games this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Florida state, they got a, I mean, I, I hate Florida State, but they got a rotation, uh, a defensive end, maybe uh, four or five guys they're going to consistently play in defensive tackle, and they got another four, four or five. You don't have uh, the heavy rotation uh, of, of, you know, 10 to 12 guys coming in and out the game. 
keep people fresh. And I mean, that goes for receivers too. Uh, I used to I used to be pissed off when when uh, they wouldn't let our receivers get into rhythm. You got you got you know six guys with two catches for for twenty something yards. I mean, come on, man. Let let the guys give them rhythm. Let's, let's redshirt some guys so we can build some depth. And I mean, let's cut let's cut this rotation out. Like I said, let's pick a, the eleven and go from there. Well, every coach, you know, has their own way of doing things, and you know, Al Golden's choosing this way, and uh, he's obviously gonna you know succeed or not succeed based on his philosophies. And uh, I think you have to respect it. I think you have to give it a chance to, to work. Yeah. But I do agree, and you, and you and I are on the same page. I do think it is very difficult to get that many kids. Um, you start getting up at 25 kids that are going to play in a ball game, 26 kids, uh, I think it gets, it, it gets to be really tough. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for being part of our show tonight. Okay. I'll take back next week. Give us a call next week. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out now to the nine five four where you are live on Kane Sports Live. How you doing tonight? Hey Gary, how you doing, man? Blake from Fort Lauderdale. What's your name? From Fort Lauderdale. Blake. What's happening, Blake? How you doing tonight? Doing good, man. How are you? Doing good. Doing hey, good. Quick little tidbit: I, I played Louisville about five. Or Louisville, I played uh, Valhalla about five years ago. Great course, but uh, it's a tough walking course, up and down and everything else. So um, don't don't have too much to drink before you, the night before because it's a. Hey, it's don't a tough, we get to use? I think we get to use carts, right? We don't have to walk eighteen, do we? I, not that I, I don't. Not that I couldn't use the exercise now, but I'm assuming they let you use carts. No, uh, we we walked. We they made us walk. I, I mean, this was this is like I said about I think almost five years ago. So they might have uh-huh. changed because. But I, I mean, they didn't let us use cards then, so I, I was, it was right around August. So. I'm looking forward to to, to that playing that course almost as much as the game. Yeah, I, I believe you. It's it's pretty special. But um, couple couple things. Uh, I went to the obviously the, to the bowl game in uh, Orlando, and the thing that sticks out in my mind, you know, the quarterback play obviously was poor. But I feel like every time you know Stephen Moore snapped the ball, there was he had at least one or two guys in the backfield ready just to. It crack his helmet open. I mean, I, I don't know. I just I feel like the O line underperformed uh, that night, and I was wondering if the O line could, you know, if they had the same if they had the same guys on that defensive line or not, and if our off- offensive line is capable of creating some kind of you know time to throw the ball or and or open up holes for uh, the running backs. You know, I wish I wish I could tell you definitively. Um, I have not. Uh, I haven't do- dove as, as deeply into Louisville as I, as I will by next week, but um, they definitely lost uh, three or four of their key players on defense, but they've got an enormous amount of talent coming back. I'm told they have four NFL draft picks still on that defense, and um, the reports that I've been getting out of, out of Louisville is that they're having a, a, a pretty good camp, although uh, not to the satisfaction of Bobby Petrino, who's been kind of warring a little bit with his defensive coordinator. Um, but Miami's going to be able to move the football much better against those guys in this game than they did in the bowl game. Uh, you know, obviously, I think they're going to be a little better prepared. I, I think with Duke Johnson coming back, you're going to get a lot more big plays. Um, unfortunately, the, the game could turn into a little bit of a scoring contest, and 
um, you know, that's kind of like a crapshoot. Um, I do think Miami will have success moving the football. Well, another thing, I mean, they got this, they got Petrino. I know he's like an offensive, you know, wizard, so to speak. But I mean, I mean, I don't think he's had that much time, has he? To really, I mean, he's got all summer, obviously fall. But I mean, how much, how much time can he really implement his offense, and how much can this quarterback really know this offense and grasp this offense that well for just yeah, being on a they, short amount of time? They they could do it certainly as well as Miami's doing it with with the two new quarterbacks coming in. Uh, they're going to be fine on the offensive side of the ball. They're they're, they're going to be a very good team offensively. Um, the big question mark for them is just going to be defense uh, because they're so young. They've got they're going to have so many juniors and sophomores out there playing uh, this year um, that I think they're going to be a little bit susceptible on defense more so than they were in the bowl game. But off- offensively, you know, they're going to be a handful. You know, the the, the, the um, their receiver, Devontae Parker, is as good as anybody in the country. Um, just an absolute freakish player. Um, they've got a couple good running backs. Uh, the, the reports I've been getting are the quarterback is doing pretty darn well. So, um, and, and their system is going to be as good as anybody's. So um, they'll, be, they'll be enough to handle for, for Miami uh, defensively. But I, I also think Miami is going to be able to have a lot of success on offense in that game. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. If I don't uh, talk to you next week, have a good time uh, up in Valhalla, man. And keep me on hold if you don't mind for the last 30. You got it. You're now on hold. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 515 where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. How's it going? Going good. Who's this? Hey, what's up, Skibby? This is your first appearance this year, isn't it? Uh... You uh, you brought me off hold a couple times the last two times, but I wasn't I didn't have anything to talk about, so I just said put me back on hold. But uh, oh, okay, what you what do you have tonight? Um, well, I I got a question for you, kind of comparing Louisville to Nebraska. So, I made some comments today on the board. Um, somebody had responded saying they think Nebraska is actually going to be a tougher game for us than Louisville. I tend to disagree. I think uh, Nebraska might be a game where we actually have a coaching advantage, <laughs> if, if you can believe that. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a lot of respect for Bo Pelini as a coach. I think he's pretty much garbage, um, and they uh, they've obviously lost some guys, three starters, maybe four actually, to to injuries uh, this fall. What are your thoughts comparing the difficulty of that game versus Louisville? I don't really have any. You know, these these early season games are, are such, you know, crapshoots to figure out. You, you don't really know. I mean, you could you could project an Alabama and a Florida State to be great football teams. But, like, when you were sitting here at this time last year, nobody in America would have said Auburn was going to be playing for the national title. And look what happened there. You, you know, there's just there's so many new faces and, and, and things going on. I think we got to wait. And, and let them play a week or two and see who has what before we start trying to compare, say, Louisville to Nebraska, because we don't even really know what we're getting from, you know, what you're going to get from Louisville um, on Labor Day night. It, it's just so, it's, too hard to make, it's too hard to make a comparison like that. So what you're saying is there's a chance that Miami could be this year's Auburn. <laughs> Um, yeah, of course there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, you know, the defense, I think, be a little bit more powerful than what it is. But, I mean, offensively, they're certainly 
this year's Auburn. I mean, I think they'll be. They have the potential if the quarterback comes through to be as good as anybody offensively. I agree with that. Um, one other question for you um, about the Cincinnati game: uh, Who's your money on to win between Kaniac and Swagger? The big fight that's coming up. <laughs> you mean are they fighting for the Cincinnati game? I think that, yeah, I think there's I think there's a fight plan. We're all gonna meet in the gymnasium. <laughs> I don't do know if you've been following we don't but, have to pay uh, to watch that, that do we? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's a it's it's a free show. Yeah, thank thank goodness. <laughs> all right, see, um, all right that's tonight? all I got. All right, no, man, that's... hey, thanks for calling in. Give us give us a call again next week. Six four six five nine. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Um, let's see. Let's go out now to the four eight four, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Gary? Going good. Who's this? It's Philly. What's going on, man? Hey, you know, what I mean? hey, you mentioned earlier you're talking about the. Um, people getting caught up on, like, the 4-3 and 3-4. And I think that's because, like, for the last two years we've been watching this thing, it's like we have, we've lacked an identity on defense. And it's like you watch other programs like Virginia Tech, <clears throat> the Michigan State, LSU, um, and you see, like, you know, or even, like, Alabama 3-4, Stanford 3-4, and you see, you know, they can be multiple as well. We will switch it up and say, like, Michigan State may have Shalee Calhoun stand up and rush and they'll switch to three four or even LSU when they had Kiki Mingo there and um the other kid carry his name but they would have those standards sometimes and rush from a three four but they'll be they, they were base four three. And then Alabama will switch where they'll have um like Xavier Dixon or like the other kid they got from Louisiana can his name but they will have them in a in a, um in like a um downward stance and rush from a three four stance as well. But with Miami, you know, you we've been sitting here for the last couple of years, and it's like we don't know, you know, one year we're at base 4-3, and next year we're at base 3-4. You see Chicolo and um, um, I forgot his name, and Green switching sides like every, before every snap. Um, you see guys like uh, Armbrister on the outside, you know, he can't rush the passer. But, yeah, you got somebody like, like um, McCord, who's only coming on third downs, who can be able to play 3-4, can definitely be an outside, you know, 3-4 rush linebacker, him or um, AQM. So it's like, you know, I think it's just, you know, we're trying to figure it out in terms of our defense, you know, in terms of our lack of identity. Are we like a 3-4 or a 4-3? I mean, I think you'll be multiple, but, you know, you multiple like Romeo, Romeo Cornell with the Patriots defense, or you multiple like, Seattle's um, Seattle Seahawks defense, where they like have a Leo or an elephant or a Jack. I mean, we we like we don't have no idea, you know, what our rushers are. You know, who our rushers are. I always see like Chick and Green, you know, switching sides, and then uh, AQM and McCord coming in on third down. So it's like, okay, like, what kind of defense are you actually running? I think that's what you know the confusion comes in. Well, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record because I said this earlier in the show, but I, I think way too much amongst the fans is put into this four three three four thing. I, I think they play everything. And um they play play five two, they play three four, they play four three. Um and, and I think that 
you know, Mark D'Onofrio feels like he wants to have a defense that can defend any type of offense and, and, you know, be ready for anything that they might face in games and be able to make adjustments quickly. And um, he feels like the concepts that he's teaching um, have been successful by some pretty good people in football. And um, he, without question, believes in what he's doing there. Now, you know, no system's going to work if, if your talent's not good enough. And, um, you know, I've been very, very adamant the last three years saying this is not just a Mark D'Onofrio problem. And I've also said that it's not fair to judge. Now, you know, now you're going into year four, and I think it's fair to judge everything and everybody. And, I, and you're going to be able to tell a lot, you know, on September the 1st, because that's going to be a challenging uh, game for them. Well, I mean, I definitely don't, you know, put all the onus on on, the, on Mark. I mean, I put a lot of it on Franklin um, because I just don't feel that he's um, a developer of defensive linemen or talent. I mean, outside of, um, like, 10 years ago, he's only lasted at, at, at certain spots one year, at USC, at Green Bay, at, with the, with the um, Houston Texans. And then he ended up in uh, Temple after Al Golden lost his D-line coach to um, the Bucks, to Greg Schiano. So I mean, it's like you know, I don't, I don't put all the onus on him, and I think you know, um, one thing you know, I, when looking at all like the defenses from this past year, the past two years, if you look at you know the successful defenses, top five defenses, you do notice that a lot of them you know registered their their players. You know, like um, you look at like like Michigan State, Virginia Tech. You look at LSU, even Alabama. You know, outside of say like the top guys. Um, you know, who probably came in the spring, a lot of their, their players were redshirted, you know, and, and you know, now they're uh, blossoming, you know, like, a you know, Shalee Calhoun, you know, from Michigan State, or even, uh, um, you know, there's, I think I forgot the guy's name with uh, Virginia Tech, who's a, you know, a rusher. And I think that's one thing that, you know, my has been lacking, you know, from, like, not redshirting Tyreek um, McCord. Um, and like you said, you mentioned, um, even, you know, um, uh, Jackson, and uh, even, like, like uh, Cortell Jenkins, you know, redshirting him as well. Um, and even, like, you know, I, I would have said he should have redshirted Jermaine Grace. I mean, I don't I don't buy into you have to, you know, play these guys and put them out because we don't have depth. You know, a lot of players, a lot of these teams don't have depth, you know, but they still redshirt their players. I mean, I'm sure Michigan State could use Shalee Calhoun. I'm sure Florida State could use catcher, a, a, a four-star, 6.0 four-star pass rusher, you know when they, you know they're leading pass, they're leading sacker was um, uh, the quarterback from um, San, San Antonio, uh, uh, Joiner. That Marcus Joiner was the leading sacker last year. So I'm sure they could have used, you know, um, catcher, but they redshirted him. You know they had plans to redshirt Edwards, but until um, that defensive end Jenkins uh, had, had got hurt, and then they started playing him. You know LSU had got a five star uh, Frank Heron from Tennessee. And he was a five-star defensive end, but they redshirted him, and now he's, you know, um, you know, I mean, he's not even like, you know, starting. But that was, I'm sure they could still use him. He was a highly rated guy. So I'm saying, I think that Miami, especially with Franklin, there's just like no plan for these guys. It's just like they just bring them in and say, "We need you. We need you." Like you have, you have, you have AQM and Terry, Terry McCord battling, but here's Trent Harris. I think guy mentioned it before. Trent Harris, who probably should be looking at a red shirt and, and getting developed, and you should, you should be rolling with Tyreek AQM. But now you got Trent Harris above these guys, you know, filling his head and, you know, trying to make 
um, AQM, I guess, and Tyreek perform. I'm like, forget that. Just let Tyreek and AQM battle it out. Don't, you know, say introduce Trent Harris. Let Trent Harris go work and with, with Jackson, and they just develop and, and redshirt those guys. I, I just think that, you know, there's just no plan for Miami. I think that's, that's what they're, with our defense, you know, you don't, we don't know what kind of defense we're playing, probably multiple, but multiple what. And then when we get the guys in, there's no plan for them. There's no plan to say, okay, we're going to, you know, uh, sit you down, teach you, teach you proper technique, redshirt you, and then bring you out next year. You know, like well, I, I think there's a plan. Had, yeah, like a Virginia Tech, a LSU, no, a Michigan State. There's a plan. I think you just don't like what the plan is, and 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 I, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I've been a big believer for several years now that one of the things holding this program back from a, re, a a true reclamation has been that they're playing way too many kids way too early in their careers, and um and not giving kids yeah. redshirt years. I mean, you would love to see a, a, a Tyreek McCord be a sophomore right now instead of a junior. You would love to see Muhammad be a freshman. You'd love to see Chicolo be a junior. Um, you'd love to see Tracy Howard be, be a, a year younger in, in, in terms of his status. And, you, you know, at some point, that's got to change if they're really going to take this program um, and move it forward. And, and I don't think that they feel they're at that point yet. I, I think that, and I think when you give up 500 plus yards in five of your last six games, and you're once again one of the worst defenses in in the country. I think that creates a panic mindset if you're a coach because if they're not better this year, everybody's going to be wanting to run them out of running Mark D'Onofrio and everybody else out of town. So, but the thing about the thing about it, Gary, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll leave it with this, and then I'll you know let you get to the caller. At some point, you got to say, okay, this is this is what we're going to do. Start playing. You can't be in like a, like a panic mode. You know, you're right. You can't say, okay, start. like 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 the last, the last three years. Since the has been there, we've been we've been trying to we've been going at his head. So at some You're point, right. you got to say, okay, look, this is the plan. This is the this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going we're going to redshirt this guy and redshirt that guy, and then we're going to teach them proper techniques, teach them the defense instead of throwing them out there and throwing all these bodies out there because we keep doing it every year. Every I mean, every one year it was Tyreek McCord. He was the man. Now he had lost in the shuffle. Now that was, that was AQM. Now. It's not AQM, it's Trey Harris. So now we're like, okay, where's AQM, where's Tyreek? Then we get mad because we're like, why isn't Tyreek and AQM being developed? Why isn't now another freshman, Trent Harris, is the, the dude now? And then who's going to be next year? You're you know right. I wouldn't attempt to make an argument on one thing you're saying. <laughs> I mean, you, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and it's a vicious circle. Uh, you know, the pressure to win now and you think you got somebody better and you're playing young kids, young kids, young kids aren't ready to play, and it just keeps going around in circles. And it's been like this for several years now, way before Al Golden got here. And um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't look like this year is going to be any different. All right, let me let you go because we've got a lot of people that want to yeah, get on. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, a phenomenal phone call. Um, thanks for being part of the show, and I hope you'll call in again next week. Thanks. All right, 646. Uh, five nine five two zero four eight six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Going to go now to the five sixty one, where you are now live on yep. King Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Yo, Gary, what's up, baby? What's going on, man? Hey, Who's this? Uh, uh, Scooter from Lake Worth. What's going on, Scooter? Um, Jaquan Johnson. Hey, yes, I, sir. I don't. Uh, it's a great pickup. I don't. Have you ever seen this kid like up close and personal, or? Yes. 
Is he really five eleven, or is he kind of a little shorter? Or no, he's probably he's probably about five eleven. Um, okay, because he know, looks he, like he looks like he looks like Lamar Miller. I mean, they they're planning on playing. We should move him. He he looks like Lamar Miller, man. I think he could be a serious running back for us. If you look he, at his highlights, he, he should be a very good cornerback. I think that's where he's projecting right now. Well, the, his coach told uh, they're going to play him in Wildcat. They're going to play him at receiver and running back this next year. Uh-huh. But you, you know, you know what I mean? I'm, like, I'm saying yeah, what, this, what you should do is... This goes back to what I've been saying. I mean, you got to take these... You can't look to move every kid on the team to offense. <laughs> I mean... But if you get you a got, player like... If you get an explosive player, like he could be like the next Lamar Miller. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, you got year. You look at all the running backs you got coming into this program. Year yeah. B, Scarlett, you've got coming in now. You've got um, Dexter Williams, who's a really good running back. Um, you've got a lot of good running backs coming into the program. You don't need another running back. You need defensive players. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was just thinking back in the days when we had all those, you know, Clinton Portis and uh, well, you might, you might, you might be stocking the position up again in in that manner. I mean, yeah. Duke's going to probably leave after this year, but you know, exactly. Yearby's very, Yearby's really good. You still got three more years of Gus Edwards. Um, you know, you're, you're, you 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 got like I said, you have Scarlett coming in. He he's going to be a really good running back, I, I think. That yeah. Dexter Williams kid looks like he's going to stick. He's a really good four-star running back. Yeah, two four-star running backs uh, coming in, and uh, and and if Jordan Cronkite sticks, that'll be three four-star running backs in the next recruiting class. So you don't need Jaquan Johnson um, to play to, to play running back. Nope. Dude, I the thing that's really driving me. I like the recruiting class so far, but we got to keep like these kids like uh, Ridley. Okay, this this receiver out of um, Miami, he's 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 committed to Alabama. There's no way we can let this kid get out of out of Miami. Like Al Golden's got to stop this train, and he's got to say enough with this because they're coming down here. They're taking all our talent. The the number one receiver in Miami is going to go to Alabama. Number one receiver in the country, um, based in the on the country. Lead. He's got to sit lead. this kid down. He's got to tell him about the legacy. He's got to show him the. He's got to show him why. You know, he's got to explain to this kid why he's got to come here. Can't let him go. I don't know, man. I just wanted to say that you can't let that kid go. Um, don't disagree, but, but but it's looking like he's going to be going. <laughs> I have a while. I was hearing that he might be. Is he just one hundred percent? Because he said he, he's not one hundred percent Alabama, right? Yeah, right now, it looks one hundred percent. You know, I mean, things things can change. You still got five six months, but right now it doesn't look like there's any opening there. Okay. Uh, unless okay, Mario Cristobal, unless, if Mario Cristobal gets a head coaching job this year, uh-huh. then you never then you never know. But right now it looks like he's locked in for Alabama. What is everybody with this Mario Cristobal? Why, well, he's why a very good recruiter. He's probably, he's probably going to be national recruiter of the year. I mean, have you I mean, been what, looking what at what, doing? Have, have just, you been watching what he's been doing up there? Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, like he's just kind of like this square, like weird old white no. guy. Like, how is he no. relating? He's just he's such a good. smooth talker that that all these he, kids he, are just like, oh, I got to go up there because of Mario uh, Cristobal. He's he's extremely intelligent. Um, he's got but a great I mean, personality. Like, he's, he's got tons of personality. He, he, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to tell you what he's doing. 
Okay, he's right, extremely no. intelligent. He's got tons of personality. He works as hard as anybody in the country. And, um, you know, he recruits as well as anybody in America. I just don't see how Calvin, like, look at Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is like this 18 or whatever it is. I don't see a Cristobal and Calvin Ridley. Like, that's kind of like an odd couple. You think Ridley's like just going up there because of Cristobal or? I, I think I don't Cristobal's, think Cristobal. Cristobal's done a phenomenal job of recruiting Ridley and Burgess Becker. He's done a, he's mm-hmm. done a great job. Okay, the and other right thing now, I was going to say, I'm sorry, right man, now, we're overlapping. I, no, I was just going to say right yeah. now it's looking like it's not going to change. Hey, okay, the other thing I was going to point out, last thing, is Dallas Crawford, he was an amazing running back last year. I don't know why they moved him to safety. Like, well, the when guy, you see him play, you're going to get it. You up. don't understand. It goes back to what I've been saying all night. You can't have every player on the team on offense. You know, they don't need Dallas Crawford on offense. You've got Duke coming back. you got Gus Edwards. Ready to make a move He's in his career. He's a proven you running play. back, though. I'm trying to answer your question. You need I players know. on defense. Dallas Crawford is going to be is going to be this, probably the second best player on defense this year. You got to start getting that. He was our best. He was our best running back last year. What was that game he yeah. blew up and he had like 300 yards? Yeah, remember that game? But but now he's going to be a baller. They take it, a They're baller. taking that explosive guy that they like. You don't to, need to him be, to back up Duke Johnson. That you've got other guys to back up Duke Johnson. Get that kid on the field every down or close to it, and you, I think you're going to see the difference he's going to make in the defensive backfield. I mean, uh, comparing him to, like, A.J. Highsmith, I mean, come on. There is no comparison. I can't begin to tell you how great that position is going into the season. Yeah, that's true, man. A.J., I remember, yeah. Great okay, last thing. Go ahead. Last thing. Out of all the uh, the commits on our list, like who do you think's a little like wishy washy that you know you may maybe like you know I don't know we may um, not show like Lee Wood Brown, Lee probably Brown. Uh, yep uh, Jordan Cronkite, I think would probably uh, fall into that class. Uh, those those are the two that uh, come to mind immediately as I scan down the list. I think everybody else is pretty solid. Man, I love the website. Keep up the good right, work, man. and uh, hope we have a good year. All right, bro. We appreciate right, it. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for calling in. Give us a call again next week. Uh, let's go out now to the uh, 202, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Oh, hello? Yep, you're on the air. What's going on? Uh, how are you guys doing? We're doing good. Who's this? Uh, this is um, Kane's fan from D.C., Okay, what you got for us tonight? Um, I was watching the game, the um, the uh, Louisville game. It was just like people complaining about the defense. The defense, the offense was bad. Bad. Oh, terrible. It was bad. Like the first yep. half, it was the first half. Offense was, was like they didn't even show up. Second half, they didn't even show up. And the problem, Miami doesn't have defense to like uh, sustain like uh, good offense like constantly, constantly. So like, so like if you have an offense. Let's keep going like three and out, three and out, three and out. About four times, the defense is going to get up, just like the Louisville game. The offense did not did not score until in the fourth quarter. Everybody keeps talking about the defense, defense. The offense was bad. That was a that was a no show by the whole team that night. Yeah, but the defense stand, at least in the first half, at least in the first quarter. You, you don't, but like if you I have know, a, but, a, a, but as the game went on, at least losing the ball, 
but the offense was, was never moving the ball at all. I know, but come on, they they gave up over five hundred. You know, I mean, you, I think it was like actually I mean, just what you're done. saying, but like, like they, they like, put, like, they you the, game in the first top half. Top. Uh, bit had like um like I think I think in the third quarter. I mean, in the first half, like there was like uh, third and down. They had like a lucky play to pick up a first down. You you know, but at least the defense was doing something. But but like the offense was just terrible. Like the personnel, you can have a great like skill players in offense. Your personnel got to be important too. You get what I'm saying? Well, I thought it was—I thought it was just a total team collapse. They were never yeah, in that yeah, ball. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was too. But, but like at the same time, the offense was bad at the end of the season too. Like, uh, and then like I think the, like the last three games, the offense just kept on going down. Like the personnel, yeah. because then because then teams already know how your personnel is. When teams well, already know think- how your personnel is, you got to mix it up. I think Duke covered up a lot of sins in the first seven games of the season, and, and I think that when he got hurt, that, you know, everything became a lot harder. Yes, yes. That, that right there, too, made, made a big uh, difference. And then yeah. uh, the defense, it's defense, the D-line, the D-line and then plus the linebackers. Because if you check it, they keep losing linebackers. Like the, um, the other, uh, outside linebackers, and then they had, uh, and then uh, they had they had about two linebackers transfer like two years ago. And then you had yep. another linebacker transfer last year too. So all that is hurting the defense a lot. And then yes, plus, it has. you look at the D lines, it's a lot, not of, a lot of mistakes, a lot of recruiting mistakes at that position in terms of taking the wrong kids, taking kids to get in trouble. Um, it's hard to overcome. It's it's like they've been on probation recruiting. Linebackers, and that's why this, the position is where it is today. I'm gonna let you go because we, we've, we've got about ten minutes of show left here, and I want to try to get some other people on. But uh, thanks for calling and, and, and give us a call again next week. Okay, thank you. Uh, can you put me on hold? Yeah. All right, uh, let's go out now to the uh, two four zero. Where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? I'm all right, Gary. What's going on? This is D Black twenty one. What do you say, D Black? What you got? Um. Back a couple callers ago, I kind of agree with a few of the callers, but one of the callers when he was talking about the quarterback position and Kaya starting as a true freshman. Now, my, my opinion on that is I think he's the best man in the job, whether it's he or Kaya. We won't know if Kaya is ready until we put him in that situation. And I understand, do we want to put him in that situation, you know, under the lights? national televised game, well, you know what? That's what you signed that letter of intent for, and that's what you recruited that guy for, for games like that. Just ask the quarterback at Penn, uh, at Penn State, the true freshman. His offense does not have nearly the weapons that we got. And Hackleberry bought his tail off. On a Penn State team last year, where people didn't think they were going to be that good, they were that good because he was that well. All I'm saying is, I'm not saying Brad Kai is him. All I'm saying is, we don't know until we see. Now, now if he is the best, best man for the job, then hey, he is my quarterback. Then I'm going to win, I'm going to lose with Heath. But if Kai is the best guy, then yo, let's, hey, yo, let's ride the ship because we got him for four years. Well, that, that's what Al Golden said he's going to do. He said he's going to play yeah. the best guy. He said he was not worried about 
who a true freshman is, who a senior is. He said he's going to pick the best guy. I just hope he does it tomorrow because we can't take too much more of this. Yeah, Gary, uh, Gary, you need to put the pressure on Coach Gordon so, you know, so we can, you know, end this suspense. But, um, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to hear this too close to call. We can't make the decision for another week or something. <laughs> I mean, that would exactly. be, that would be torturous exactly. for the fan base because yeah, people are about people, to kill each other. Have you been on the message boards lately? Yes, I have. I just, I just, I, I mean, just these, was updated. These guys are these guys are ready to kill each other over this thing. Exactly. Now, two I more if, if, you, if, you Miami, if you Miami alum makes one more post about Brad Kaya, I think the board's gonna like blow up like you know like there's a stack of uh, dynamite or something. Exactly. I got two more things on Mario Cristobal, then I'm let you roll. One thing: Do you ever foresee Mario Cristobal ever coming back to UL? That's one. And you failed to mention he's getting all these recruits to Alabama because of the SEC because of the SEC long money. Because he wasn't recruiting that, that dominant when he was at FIU. Now, well, the, I don't. The that, that, that's, that's not true. You know, I mean, he, he recruited T. Y. Hilton to FIU. Uh, well, FIU, he wasn't a, he, a couple he very wasn't good. A five star. He wasn't a five, I'm talking about the five star recruits. Well, you can't recruit five star kids. Well, first hey. of all, T. Y. Hilton was a five star kid. Play. That, that they identified when he was a, a three-star kid and got him to go to FIU. So you got to give him credit for that. Um, I give him credit for that. T.Y. is a baller. Credit for that. There's also that kid Cyprian, who they recruited and developed, who's playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when you're at FIU, you can't recruit five-star players. You know why? Because, here yeah, you're right. You know why? Because they don't have that SEC money. Oh, I have never heard I, I, no, hey, that. Hey, not, here. No, oh, that's not fair. This guy he works as, as hard no, no, as no, anybody recruiting. No, he was a good recruiter long before he got to Alabama, and, and I think no. it's very unfair to him if you're trying to paint a picture that he's walking no, no, around no. bags of money buying the best offensive lineman in America. No, no. That's what he keeps recruiting every year. No, no, I'm not. Now, what I'm saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's not a great recruiter, but. It makes it a lot easier to recruit when you're at certain schools. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah. Of course. You put a guy like that on that Alabama staff right now with Nick Saban as the head coach, the way they have it going, I mean, yeah, it's a license to kill. I mean, he has the top – he had the top offensive lineman in America that he recruited last year, and now he's doing it again this year. Plus, on top of it, he went out and got one of the top cornerbacks in America out of New Jersey. He's got the best receiver in America out of South Florida. I mean, it's a license to kill. Yeah, and also it's in the SEC conference. Yeah, but that doesn't mean every single recruit's being bought. Come on, that's not fair. No, I'm not, 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 I'm not okay. saying bought. Like, I'm not saying, a lot of- oh, Gary, Gary, I'm not saying being bought like giving money. What I'm saying is, I'm just saying the conference as a whole, they got, they got resources. That's all I'm saying. I'm not That's saying they get paid. But what I'm, now, answer the other question. Do you ever to see him coming back to Miami? Maybe as a head coach, after Al Golden leaves, maybe after his, you know, hopefully Al Golden never leaves. But if he does leave, do you think Christian Ball will come? Um, 
I think Mario Cristobal is one more coaching stop away from ever being considered to be at Miami. Um, I don't think he'll ever return as an assistant. You know, I think that I think that ship has sailed. Um, I think that if he goes and, and, and gets a head coaching job somewhere else and is, and is hugely successful, then he might come into play down the road if Al Golden ever leaves. Um, but you know, right now it's way too premature. I think he's got to go make another move in his career and prove himself again as a head coach. All right. Okay, I'm, 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 keep your hold. Keep your hold. You got it. Um, all right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Actually, I don't know why I'm giving out the number. We we still have a full board. Uh, we're going to go over time here, so I can try to get a few more people on. Please, um, when you do come on the show, uh, keep your opinions direct and to the point here, because we're so late in the evening. Uh, we're going to go now to the two zero two, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey Gary, how are you? Doing good. Who's this? This is uh, Kwame from uh, Brooklyn. How are you? Hey, what's up, Kwame? What you got, man? Talk to us. Doing, doing well. I, I can tell we're getting close to football season because I, I, I've been on hold for like an hour, but I love the show. Well, but, at least you can uh, listen to the show while you're on hold, so that's good. Exactly. God bless. Straight to the point. Uh, I didn't hear the intro, cause, uh, so I wanted to get some feedback on the second scrimmage. It seems very fishy to me that you would sit Jake Heaps when this was supposed to be the scrimmage that was determined who's essentially going to be the starter. And so I'm very confused. I don't think they took heaps out of the mix because, you know, they're trying to rig it for Kaya. I I, I really don't. I I think the kid legitimately had a sore arm um, that was going to affect his performance in the scrimmage. And Al Golden made a decision that it was more important to give him a couple days off and let him get his arm back so that when they go out to practice on Wednesday and start preparing for Louisville, that Jay Keeps is throwing the ball 100%. And I think that overrode um, any need to pit the two of them together in a head-to-head competition. Um, how it impacts the, the, the big picture, I don't think we'll know until they announce who the quarterback is. Um, but, you know, I think it'll come into, into, into a clearer perspective when they do. Um, but I think that's the situation. I think, I think Heaps' his arm from the wear of the two-a-days and everything, it just was just, just uh, starting to go a little dead on him. And instead of putting him out there in the scrimmage trying to compete when he can't really compete, uh, you give him a couple days off, kind of like you give a pitcher, let him get his arm back, and then put him out for the next start on Wednesday. Well, that's telling to me uh, because – you have this young boy who essentially got here in, what, May? And he's slinging it. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with his arm. Okay, he's just coming off a high school practice field. I mean, you've been uh, – you're a seasoned veteran. I have a little bit of pause that is resounding within me if this kid's arm is going dead off of practice. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to withhold comment on it till tomorrow when we have a chance to get to the bottom of it a little better. Um, let, let's see what what we find out tomorrow afternoon, and uh, let, let's take this subject back up on the message boards tomorrow night. Okay. Uh, one more quick question for you before I go. Uh, this young man out of Sarah in Southern California, Brother Green, is he serious in taking an official out here? And you know, for most of the stuff I see, he's like, you know, he's either going to UCLA or USC, but is there – who is his main recruiter, and is there a real uh, opportunity for us to make some inroads with this young man? And what uh, other he, DT tackle, uh, what other defensive tackle targets 
well, do you think we'll be visiting it when we have a legitimate shot at? Because I, I think that's the that's really the next step for uh, the Canes is to get some more, um, you know, penetrating defensive tackles that like we had in the past, the Will Forks and the William Joseph types, to really you know, yeah, it, you know the, the, the the problem is they're they're having a hard time getting in the mix right now for the five star kids. But you know, Green is obviously a very good prospect and. Um, I'm pretty sure Jethro Franklin's the leading recruiter there, and um, he he says he's going to visit. So you know, right now that's all you you got to go by. Um, I sure I wish it was Ed Orgeron. <laughs> I, sure, <laughs> I sure wish I could swap Ed Orgeron in that spot. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't I don't even know what to say on that one. You know, I mean, Ed, or, Ed Orgeron's a very good recruiter. Obviously, been very successful through his career. And he's a um, and, and he's a hell of a D line coach. Let's let's be honest here. That that is his specialty. Yeah, it is. It is. All right, I'm going to let you go so I can get some other people. I, I want to get some other God people left. on here in the next few minutes. Um, give us a call again next week. Got All right, you. let's go out now to the. Um, Let's go to the to the uh, three two one, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, what's going on, Gary? All right, I'll, I had a whole list of things, but I'll just be brief and kind of cut cut to the chase. Um, in terms of recruiting, I just wanted to talk real quick. I hear a lot of people calling up and you know, yeah, screaming about they want deep um, penetrating defensive tackles and all this stuff. If people take the time to really look at the scheme and what we run in terms of the 3-4 the and the 4-3, as you were saying, with the hybrid, in the hybrid front that we run, the reason that we're not getting the defensive tackles that everyone wants is because whether it's a 3-4, whether it's a 4-3, they still play the same two-gap technique. And what they teach down in Cora Gables is they teach penetrate no more than one yard and find the ball carrier. And at most times they teach to catch the block and then defeat the block. No, no five star is one is going to want to come here and be a glorified offensive guard. That's why, and this is same. It's similar to what Alabama runs, and that's why Alabama doesn't look for the five star and the four star D tackles. They take a three star, they strap them in the weight room for about a year, and then they turn them loose. That's why, if you look at who they have now running, they've got Brandon Ivory. He was a three star for Memphis that wanted to come that. Miami so bad, he begged for an offer. He didn't get it. Alabama offered, he committed there. They've got Andre Lake. That's another kid, three-star, no name from Alabama. He got his offer because literally Nick Saban found him at a camp. He came to the Alabama camp, and Nick Saban told him, if you beat this five-star kid in front of you, you'll get a scholarship. He kicked the kid's butt up and down all day long, and he got a scholarship. So that's, that's where people have to understand what – we're not going to have the Vince Woolforks and the William Josephs and the Warren Saps anymore at D-tackle because that's not what we run. We don't run the, okay, pin your ears back, go get them, jump in the gap, unless we're running a presser package, and in which case they bring in the defensive ends, they move them to the tackle spot, and then even then they really don't get that much push because that's not what they're taught to do. Now, in terms of recruiting, I think we have a really good shot at the kid from Canada. And because, again, you know, he's from Canada, he likes, he likes the warm weather, and he's not that familiar with the techniques that, that he's going to be taught. So he's coming based on, he's going to be looking at Miami based on what we've done in the past. And that's another reason why, yeah, you'll get these five-star kids and four-star kids that will come on an official visit because they want a free trip and also they want to 
they hear about the Miami Mystique, but once they get in that, once they get in that coaching room and the coaches start telling them, yeah, well, we're going to use you as a two-gapper and you're really going to take up blocks all day, 80% of your time, who wants to hear that? When you can go to LSU and they turn you loose, we can go to Auburn where they turn you, we can go to even Florida State when they run, when they run the shaded two-gap, they don't teach hold all day. They teach engage and go. So I mean, what do you think? Go ahead. I think, you know, you, you could be making some good points. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised, but I was just looking at some of the top defensive tackles in, in the country, and you're right, Alabama, that's one position where Alabama's not getting the top kids. And uh, I had never really looked look at it. Them. Yeah, I hadn't really looked at it that way. And but, they won't. Know, maybe. The type of kids that they're looking for, I'll tell you, are they look for – and the type, of, the, the type of kids that succeed in the two-gap system are not going to be your big heralded kids because even in high school – they're running the same thing. They're they're taking up space, and they're they're you know throwing kids around, and they're they're freeing up the linemen, their other buddies. Now, if you look at a five star, on a at any school that has that has a decent decent track record of producing talent, if you look at the kid next to them, that's going to be the kid that you're going to see is going to be the space eater. Like you now, look at these kids that come out of Oscar Smith in Virginia, for years they've had. Good. Let, let me just stop you for a minute. I get what you're saying, but I, I think there's some exceptions. Like, you know, for example, one of the top defensive tackles in the country this year is a kid out of Birmingham, um, Deron Payne, and Alabama's recruiting him very hard. I mean, I, I don't know that it's fair to say that they don't try to get the five-star kids. Uh, they do. Um, mm-hmm. But you, you could be right, and we'd have to do a lot more research than we're going to be able well, to yeah, do. No, they're they're uh, looking honestly. at him. You could be right in that they don't – that. Maybe they don't choose Alabama because of the system, you know. I, well, I don't no, no, know. They, Alabama doesn't target them. That, well, that's that's what I'm saying. Alabama doesn't I mean, look at those kids. Maybe it's because this kid's from Birmingham, but they're certainly targeting this kid. He's number oh, two. Oh, yeah. Him, if, you, if you look at him, though, he's enormous. He's, he's over 300 pounds. He fits yeah. their system. He just happens to be extremely athletic. But right, you look at the other it, kids. Uh, Go ahead. Let me just stop and see. Do you have any other topics you want to hit on tonight um, before uh, we go? Well, another another topic I want to talk on real quick is the whole QB thing, where they're saying throw this kid in there, and you know, um, in terms of the freshman Kaya from California, Kaya spent uh-huh. a lot of money with private quarterback coaches, and technically he's there. But the problem is when the lights go on, he's going to get those freshman jitters, and in this particular year. You've got a lot of kids, not only players, but coaches that have a lot of things on the line. That's why they can't really afford any growing pains, and I think then rightfully so they should go with heaps because he's been, he's been to the dance, he's seen it, and on top of that, even if he plays, if he's just a game manager and we have a great year, it's All a win-win need. situation because if heaps plays himself into a fifth-round draft pick, because earlier you'd said he's not draftable, if he has a good year, and he can play himself in the fourth round or fifth round, that helps Miami say, hey, look, we just put out a fourth or fifth round QB, and then they still have Kaya back there who's going to be all world, or maybe Olsen gets his head out of his butt and stops smoking weed and matures and says, hey, you know what, I can actually play this game, and I want to play and stop embarrassing himself. You know, yeah, what, what's your thought yeah, on that? Don't count out Ryan Williams from being a factor at some point this season also. Hey, thanks so much for calling. Great call. Um, hope you'll give us a call again next week. Okay. All right. All right, final call of the night, the 770 
Yeah. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Are you with us? Hello? Yep, you're on the air. Hey, what's going on? Doing good. What you got for us tonight? Oh, I'm, um, I, w- I just wanted to uh, comment. The last caller, man, he hit on a whole lot of good points that, that we post about a lot. Uh, people want, you know, they want the glorified DTs, but the, the scheme we run, you can see that we're getting the glorified DNs and hybrids. And, and the point that you made about um, earlier about why we can't red shirt, a red shirt is, is that's for players who need to develop that's, that, that, that's not ready. If a guy comes in and he beat the best player in front of him, then obviously he's the best player on the field, so he's ready at that point. But a guy like Mays, who who won't be better than Howard or Burns or uh, Tony O'Crawford, now he'll get the red shirt even though he's a good player. See, what Miami was doing when Golden first got there was, well, he wanted to try to be proactive and started, you know, he was giving away the scholarships, taking hard count numbers so he can, you know, he thought that, all right, after the sanctions came, he'll be able to say, well, look, I did this, this, and that. But he wasn't able to do that. So that hurt Dell as well as, you know, taking, he had to make a couple reaches in those early classes just to get people on the field. You know, remember we had a, a transfer from Wake Forest, uh, two or three running backs who had to play cornerback because it wasn't enough depth. So he had to come in with his hands tied already and, and take a, a Thomas Fanny, uh and then go take a, a chance on a guy like Eddie Johnson. He didn't really have time to evaluate. Then at the same time, he trying to mend these relationships in South Florida that he'll miss a guy who was begging to come. Byron Cowell was begging to come to Miami as a freshman and a sophomore, but we couldn't recruit him because he had to clean up his own backyard first. So now – you know, it's like I mean, he can't get this player, he can't get this player, but now you see in the 16 class, not everything is being cleaned up. And now the defense is being cleaned up. Now you're able to get a, a Johnson when just, what, two days ago he said it was Florida State lean. Uh, now uh, Tyreek Cole, we're able to get a player like that. Uh, we're able to get Bush um, interested in us. And his dad is a um, Florida State guy. So, you know, you can see, like, it's coming in, 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 in full circle what he's been doing, like the ground, all the seeds he planted before. It's just like now is, okay, like you said earlier, now is the time that, okay, you can sit back and say, okay, I can judge you fairly now. I can judge this and I can judge this. But you can't go out and say just throw uh, Franklin is a bomb coach. when who he, had to, who he had in front of him to coach. All right, we can say, oh, Ed Orgeron, this guy, he's so good, he's so good. But everybody on that USC D-line was first four or five stars. So anyone can look good coaching that. But when you're trying to implement a system, you're trying to implement a whole different scheme, that means the personnel that you already have, you have to wipe that out completely with no depth behind it because, first of all, you, you left with nothing. Second of all, you, you hit with uh, everybody saying the death penalty. Third, um, the the players you're trying to put in here got to fit your scheme. Then fourth, you're trying to clean up your backyard. So, you know, you have five, six things going on in that, you know, you wonder, right, oh, this is a recruiting miss. Oh, this is a bad. You shouldn't have took a chance on a, on a Gianni Paul. Or you shouldn't have took a chance on No, you can't say that. Situations happen. The perfect example is Figaro. 
a military background, like no one would ever would have put him in that category to do something like what Eddie Johnson would have done. So to say that was a miss in recruiting, I mean, situations just happen. You know, it's unfortunate, but you know, you you're doing so you're doing five or six things at one time, and now we have a quarterback situation where everybody's saying, "Oh, red shirt the uh, freshman," or "Don't red shirt them, but just don't let them go out here and start." Uh, put a put a guy who who's been in college five years in front of them. When 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 you can't even say who's the clear cut favorite because of what oh when he get in a big game, well in a practice against his own team he's just as good as this person who should who we think would be good in a big game situation since he's a fifth year and his only calling card is experience and when you say your only calling card is experience and you can't even use your own calling card to separate, I mean that 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 should let us know right now let's. Not focus on heaps. If he, if someone get hurt, if Kyle get hurt, okay, let's let's focus on him as a good backup. Now his experience should help him be, to be a great backup. But to say the only thing you have on me is experience, and I gain that as I play. Now the the physical tools that I have, you can't, you'll never get them. So the the your one good, I gain by playing. I won't gain it sitting down on the bench. But I gained it by playing because Ryan Williams sat on the bench, and you know, uh, you know how that is. He never, he's never played at Miami, so you know, experience sitting on the bench really is no good. But to say, okay, I'm gonna let you go out here and not play because we don't want you to be in a big situation. But I'm gonna let someone who I don't even know if he's better than you because the competition is this close go out and play because he has experience. I mean, it's the same situation. So I just feel like we should just move into the new direction with the new person at the helm and, and, and keep moving forward because now you have to think about this. When he the freshman step on the field and he does perform good and or he does perform good against the other teams, not the Louisville, not the Florida State, and not the Nebraska, but he goes out and wins nine to ten games. Now you think the 16 class is ridiculous. I mean, we'll be 17 and 18 will be. I mean, number one class in the nation because everybody in the nation will want to come play with Kaya because he's this dude. He's that deal. I'm going there just like everybody wanted to run the flood state to play with Jameson. So you know, my thing is the time is now. You know, everything that Golden went through is just now. You know, the cloud is gone. You know, we, we able to be in the conversation to get a guy from. California to come on a visit, to get a, um, a flip at the last minute, to get a Tyreek Cole, even to be in the conversation. I mean, I'm, I'm not really big on Calvin Ridley. I mean, the dude 19, he should be dominating. You know, everybody 15 to 16, is, you know. But my thing is we're now just getting to the point where, okay, this is what this coach was brought in to do, and now we're able to see his worth. Uh, yeah, D'Onofrio, we keep talking about all oh, his defense, all oh, this, this and that. But when you're changing schemes and changing defenses with no personnel, with no depth, with no one to, to mature the young guys coming in, man, I mean, you can go get Nick Saban. He still wouldn't be able to do nothing with it. So, I mean, I think Careful we now. just – you, you, you had me mesmerized here for the last five hey, listen. minutes. Listen, we, saw Nick Saban. Okay. we saw That's Nick Saban. We saw Nick Saban. Nick Saban didn't get good. He didn't get good until he got the hotbed of talent. I mean, he was decent in Michigan State, but I mean, we've been ninety-three. I didn't say a word. I gave you the floor. You were doing an unbelievable job. 
But don't now you're losing me. Do you have any idea? You put Nick Saban at Miami. Are you frick? Are you? I, I'm, wait, I got I got to measure myself here. Are you kidding me? Jesus. <laughs> Come on, man. No right. way, not. I'm talking about Nick Saban just now leaving Michigan State, not the Nick Saban who's been in Louisiana and Alabama. I'm right. talking about Nick Saban just now coming out the Midwest, just like Al Golden coming out the Northeast when he was in Michigan State, winning nine and and then eight and seven, and you know his best year was maybe ten games. That Nick Saban, not the Nick Saban who was put the first round out the first round. But, uh, yeah, it, he can go anywhere in the nation and be great. Yeah, it, you I, put I him would in prefer now. Alabama. This one thing. This the one thing I would say. If had we lost Coach Golden, and I don't want Coach Golden to leave because I think he the type of coach who will he will run that tenure that we all been waiting to see. You know, uh, uh, ten, fifteen, twenty years retire as a cane, and we just you know everybody would say, oh, what if Bush wouldn't have left? Oh, what if Jimmy never left? Oh, you know, I think Golden gonna be that coach that we can sit back and say, okay, yeah. You know that's what, how it should happen. Hey, but remember they had, were flying helicopters over the orange. They, they were flying planes over the Orange Bowl, um, calling Butch a chump. And, and, yeah, and, because know. he was handcuffed, sanctioned. Yeah. Right? And, we and, get that. Uh, it's just like they're doing uh, now. It's just like the best, best program in college, maybe in college football history. All right, listen, I gotta history. let you know. Yeah, your call was okay. phenomenal. A great way to end the night. Give us a call next week. Apologies to anybody that didn't get on tonight. Um, we're doing our best um, to, to give everybody a voice and, 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 and a, a mouthpiece here on the show. Another great show, guys. I can't compliment everybody that's calling in enough. Um, you know, I think for the most part, uh, this show is just really skyrocketing in quality. So thank you so much for being with us on, on this Tuesday night and being part of the show. And uh, we'll be back again next Tuesday night. And then, um, the, the good news is that we're going to probably, I got, I got to believe by next Tuesday night, we're going to know who's going to take that first snap um, at Louisville. And we'll be able to talk a little bit about that and everything else that's going on with the team. So uh, for everybody at Kane Sport, I'm Gary Furman. Thank you so much for being part of the show tonight. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. 
There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ShumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.